welcome back, Screamers, to part two of our Christmas extravaganza episode. <laughs> Today, we are opening gifts, the gifts of fine cinema. We have given each other movies, and the movies A Woman Kills, The Butcher Boy, Morvern Collar, and The Lost Skeleton of Cadavra. Um, Jason, before we unwrap these presents, anything you'd like to... Uh, yeah, sure. Get I mean, into, like, well, like I mean, you know, one, we didn't, we, we switched up the movies a little bit because I didn't think Brock and I were responsible enough to talk about a reason to believe. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. did you end up watching a reason to no. believe? Okay. Not no, yet. I will. I will. But, uh, um, I didn't for today. And I, <laughs> and that's fine. Uh, obviously, cause we're not going to talk about it, but, uh, it, it was a, um, look, a reason to believe and the reason I didn't think we were, were uh responsible enough i responsible i think we can handle it I one i don't think it's noteworthy enough to talk about if mm. we're not being irresponsible talking about it and being irresponsible talking about it probably is in mm, poor taste in poor taste especially yeah. in 2023 fucking 1996 jason when he saw this movie it was all right. over like right. just ripping right. this movie right um, but it is about, uh, it is about a young girl who finds herself she's a sorority girl and she finds herself at a frat party. Her boyfriend is gone and left. And one of the other frat members sexually assaults her. Uh, so what you're saying, it was her, it was her fault. <laughs> it definitely was her fault in 1996. It was, absolutely. It was definitely her, her fault. fault. Uh, and so then it's this big, like, it's just this ridiculously heavy handed, uh, um, uh, you know, just thought experiments giving it way too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's this message film that should have been like a TV movie of the week. Mm, but but mm -hmm. it has Kurt, it has it has the the Fs and the Ss and the boobs and the whatnots in it. Well, actually, just two, just one set of boobs, which is why at this point is the only reason the movie is notable is because. <laughs> It is a very early movie um, done by Holly Marie Combs of the Charmed fame, and she is, in fact, topless in this film. And so that that's really the only reason. And I know that's kind of a weird thing to say. I don't mean to like it is the only, but it is it is the reason why this film is it the reason to believe? <laughs> it is the reason to believe this film is actually uh, still talked about in in in, in breast aficionado magazine, um, you know, which I, I let my script script lapse in, in ninety eight, right so. next to cigar aficionado. <laughs> yes, yes. And Sometimes art, it is just a cigar, right? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Cool, <laughs> but, but it, yeah, it's fun to make fun of. But it is, mm. it, and, and so when it came out, and the reason, obviously, the movie, the movies that I picked, not not the Butcher Boy in this case, I actually did want to give Brock a good movie to watch. Um, but well, hey, I, of, I will argue that the Lost Skeleton of Cadavera oh, is a is a no, good movie no, for like no. different reasons. That yeah, <laughs> now I, I'm, dude, I need to pull up the quotes page on for the Lost Skeleton of Cadavera. But uh, <laughs> but part of them, the reason I choose the movies I choose is so I can make watch make Brock watch these things. Um, yeah, and so a reason to believe was one that I was want, wanted to make him sweat through because it has it has like a bevy of like notable faces of the time. It's got like Anthony Quinn's son in it, who he's a terrible pos. I mean, like he's a bad person. Like. He was married to Lauren Holly and was Jonathan majored her. Oh, it was a bad oh. thing. Yeah. Um, and that was the only reason that Holly Marie Combs was actually in the movies because she was friends with um, Lauren Holly. Oh. Uh, and um, like said, hey, I, this you want to do this part. And then it has like Jay Underwood in it, who was in The Boy Who Could Fly. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, so it's just like and he's the bad guy, you know. 
But the dialogue is so terrible. It's just this, all this really ham-fisted, bro-han, like, stereotype. I mean, it's just, it's bad. Um, but it is a fun watch, just to make fun of. But in 96, it, when it came out, it was kind of looked at as this kind of independent message film that had a lot of important things to say. And, it, you know, it's just looking at it now, you know, obviously almost 30 years later, then it's it looks like this... TV movie of the week, but back then it was like, oh, we're finally, you know, saying that women can dress however they want and drink however much as they want and have sex with whomever they want, and they still should be able to go to frat parties and not get raped. You know, obviously it's a good message to have. It's weird that we were having to have it in 1996. Looking back on it now, it's a weird. It's a weird in that in that kind of way. Right, right. That we're having this like it's very higher learning esque. Mm, Okay, so it's it's got the kind of it kind of wears those like ridiculous messages on its sleeve but anyway yeah so let me talk um if you if you will indulge um so i just got back from um hungary and austria yeah to budapest and vienna um were you were you sort of trying to right the wrongs of authoritarian governments (laughs) while you were in budapest you know so we no, the no, answer to that okay. is no. I was just enjoying okay. the Christmas. I should have, but you know, you only have Typical so American. you only have so much time, and you know, I'm, I want to hit the bathhouse and I want to hit the Christmas market right. and have I a thought, little bit of. I multiple. thought you could multitask. <laughs> you know, it's very hard to get in to see government officials and on just a on a, on a visitor's mm. visa. So actually, you don't have to have a visa and get in either one. I was like, and I just drove into Budapest. I didn't actually. Well, I mean, so I didn't actually get my passport stamped going into into Budapest. You wouldn't have to, right? You could just drive across. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's what we did. And uh, so um, we did do private tours. And that, that sounds hoity-toity, but it's really not mm-hmm. that big of a deal. Like it's, uh, but, So we did private, private tours in both cities, which is kind of fun because you get to go with the local and they tell you local things. And, and then you get to hear the history. But you're also not given a saccharine type of tour that you would normally get if you gave mm-hmm. with a bunch of other people. that we, you know. And so we got a lot of... Um, on and weirdly enough, and I guess not weirdly, because both were done by older white men. And when I say older, I mean like in their like at least sixty five, if not older. Um, and so we got so a right lot around of, your age. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yes, I know. I, I know mean, that really wasn't fun. I know with, with Andre Breyer I, dying at sixty one, it's really see. Here's the thing about turning my age and then what your age will be very very quickly I mean, coming yeah, up like we're essentially the same age i just like to give you shit because you're like yeah. <laughs> of course my beard is more gray than yours <laughs> just uh, just barely though <laughs> is that you start to see i when i you start to check like death years and it starts oh, sure. to freak you out at like it's, it's like fuck 61 that's not that that is like right that's like outside the door so uh <laughs> i gotta get some shit in order and get some shit taken care of like 61 <laughs> uh, but, but do you i mean no no my life is a downhill slide right but, um as i were saying as i was saying um older white men now now hungary's history is a little bit more i guess you know hungary's hist- historical that we the perspective that we got was a lot of like well you know we got the whole spiel because mm-hmm. of the one where we were and we were taking a longer tour in budapest um but he was telling us about you know ottomans and the huns right, and you right. know nazi regime and like and so we got the whole and the communist and all so we got a whole like you know really you know the full few thousand years of, of hungarian history and you know so there's a lot of like anti-communist and there's a lot of uh because again you're seeing a lot of i mean you're seeing the uprising of 
communist and socialist sentiment. And, and, and also I didn't, I asked him about the communist sentiment. And then when he gave me the answer, I, I stopped. I didn't ask about the fascist sentiment. Um, not that, the, not that this guy was a fascist at all. In fact, he was very, he was not a big fan of the Catholic church or, you know, it was, there was not, there was not a whole lot of, and he really wasn't abusively racist or, or like the, the, just, the, just mildly racist. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like yeah. it, there was a lot of anti-Muslim sentiment mm-hmm. um, at mm-hmm. the time. And of course, I guess you can kind of understand that. I mean, it, I mean, I understand it from perspective of a country that, that has <laughs> been invaded by Turks and Ottomans. Um, well, right. I mean, before the Austro Hungarian empire, right. right. I mean, it was part of what different, well, or it was at least sort of conquered by or invaded by different, different it's, empires of that. It yeah. spent its entire yeah, that's history like being, being somebody else's property right away. Yeah. So understanding I, I, what I mean by understanding it is that I understand there are a lot of emotions going on on both sides <laughs> of this, this conflict. So the whole point was, is that I guess a lot of the, both Austria and Hungary are over they're 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 compensating for the atrocities that happened in World War II. Um, so there's a lot of protectiveness of the Jewish population. Mm-hmm. So there were actually Palestinian protests in Austria at the time, oh. but they and they were all surrounded by Austrian police. I mean, like protecting them and allowing them to protest. And they were very small protests yeah. in Hungary. They were like he, the arc tour guide was that they're not allowed. I mean, yeah. it's just not allowed. So it's a, it was a weird sentiment. So, but yeah, I mean, two different. I think two very different styles of governance yeah, too in those, in those two countries. Yeah. Uh, it, it used so, to be under like one king. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting. It was an interesting, like when we got to Austria, it was a lot of like gender fluidity and, and woke. And you, t- same thing. Your Fox news grandpa at this point is, is raising about. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I did find interesting is that when I, we were, we were in Budapest, we went to uh, a movie called an explanation for everything. I don't know if you've heard of it or um, it won one of the top, one of the prizes over at Venice, I think. Uh, and it's this movie about a young boy, a young, not young boy. He's a, he's a, he's, he's like a, adolescent, right? Yeah, Teenager? He's, he's a high school student okay. about to go yeah. into university, I think. And so like, he's kind of this, you know, you see, when you first see him, you see him studying and he's like, and it's told in this really interesting way over, uh, you know, as we kind of bounce amongst the characters. So it's a, uh, it's, but he ends up, he's studying for this test. He's kind of in love with this girl that's a friend of his. He's studying for his finals. And on his history final, um, he, you know, he uh, freezes, essentially. So they're all oral exams. He freezes. And they, you know, and the school is, you know, trying to help him out during the, during the test. And um, in order to kind of uh, break up the silence that one of his professors, who's this kind of liberal uh, professor, asks him about a nationality pin that he's wearing on his lapel. Mm-hmm. And I guess it, he was wearing it on this, um, you know, day of remembrance in, in Hungary, this March 15th day of remembrance that they have of the uprising against the communists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the kid comes back and he's like, he's crushed and his family's like, you're never going to be anything in your future. You just ruined your entire future. And so he somewhat concocts this story and it's very much a he said he said kind of situation but he concocts this story the the teacher asked him about this nationality pin and that that's why he failed is that because this teacher was always Mm. egging him on and the teacher had already had some kind of confrontation with his father we don't see that that happened before the event um but it was very and then so like this this uh kind of fox news s type newspaper 
excuse me, picks up the story and then runs with it. And then all hell breaks loose for both sides. And then, so it's this kind of like story that exists. The movie was good, but it was very more, it was very much more interesting because we had taken the tour that we'd taken. It was interesting in the film to hear Hungarians talk about George Soros and throw around the term lived hard. And like, it's very, it was very enlightening to know that that type of situation and those types of conversations were because eventually the, the, the man's father, uh, the boy's father and, um, you know, the liberal teacher, they come, he comes over to talk to the, the teacher comes over to the house to talk to the boy and try to straighten things out. And then it just turns into a shouting match between him and his father. And they just end up insulting one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. It was, it was, uh, it was interesting to see that, that, that is not, you know, obviously, uh, isolated to us shores and to us conversations at this point. <laughs> no. And, and I think that geopolitically <laughs> Hungary would probably be really closely aligned with some of the sentiments that are going on here. I, I what is the dictator president's name in Hungary? <laughs> uh, I don't recall. <laughs> He's that. very much a Trump type yeah, figure. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, I think spewing some of those same ideas, you know, again, filters down into that, that kind of population. But I don't know. I mean, I think that um, it's not surprising to hear that. I think really anywhere. And I think too, like in, I know that's more sort of Eastern Europe, really, right? Right. I think especially there we're seeing more rises of nationalism, of some of these these ideas, and especially some of these, like, you know, this, like, anti-outsider sentiment as well. Yeah, and it's, it, you know, they were very careful, both of them, trying, and how they, you know, they characterized their dissent with, you know, mm-hmm. The, the left leaning. In fact, the guy in Austria was like, oh, this all started with the Marquis de Sade. Marquis de Sade. Like, all right. <laughs> it's a two hour or three hour. Sure. <laughs> I don't think we have this much time yeah. to go into the depth. Right. Um, About how you're going to connect this with the Marquis de Sade. <laughs> I, I think what, wow. was, what was surprising to me in the movie was the terms libtard and Soros. And not that I guess because American pop culture gets, gets thrown around as well. And I'm sure that the same, and it's, I guess these are all global conglomerates anyway that are just manufacturing these talking points. So yeah. it shouldn't surprise me, but it was kind of interesting to see it. Um, all that aside, the the theaters in in Hungary and uh, Aust- and Vienna both made me weep before yeah. theaters here. We were able to see a 35 millimeter, a gorgeous, pristine 35 millimeter print of uh, the Life Aquatic. Um, they were doing this. Uh, uh, at the Kino, there's a Kino Cultural House in in Vienna, kind of in the Vienna Square, um, and uh, they were doing I forget the name, and it's kind of wish I hadn't, but they they were they were doing a like a whole series of films based on this like German um, underwater filmmaker, and they oh. like discovered like you know sixty hours of un, you know undeveloped film and 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 like movies that he had done, and they and it, so there was a a couple of things that were going on and, and life aquatic was kicking it off. But like we were in this oh, cool. old theater watching a 35 millimeter print. We were sitting up at a balcony and then down below they had, you know, they had a, you know, records, a small like pop-up record store slash DVD, Blu-ray store and bookstores. You could just go in, have a drink and wander around. And it was just, it's just one of those things where like you're, uh, I mean, I, I know that it exists in the States, but it doesn't exist here in Fort Worth. And it's just, right. kind of, it's, it's so well, crazy and, that it and, doesn't. And even in other states that have more of that, there's still, I mean, so much of what you see is 
the ruins of what was once there. Right. Right. These, these places that used to be theaters. And of course those movie theaters used to be vaudeville theaters and then were converted. Right. And now they're just nothing. Right. Yeah. Or now they're a fucking conference room. Right. <laughs> right. Or they're, I don't know. Or yeah. Some sort of just mega church horse shit thing. That right. Goes on or, or, you right. Know. And so we just lose these things. We just, I don't think we, we don't see the cultural value in some of these, these things, whether it's, old churches or old movie houses or just old buildings in general. Right. I mean, right. that's one thing you can look around this city and see how, how little we give a shit about sort of, um, preserving, you know, some of that history, culture, or just aesthetics. Yeah. Socio political stuff aside, just being, and I'd wanted to go back to Vienna for a walk. I'd, I'd been previously, but like just being in a place where you have buildings that are like when we were walking around Vienna and he's like, that building was built in the 1300s and that right, building was built right. in the 1700s and that building was built in, and like, and there's just, and yeah, now it's a, it may be a W hotel or a Hyatt or like this old, like he walked me into like the oldest bank in Vienna and was like, now it's a restaurant slash it's a high grand Hyatt, but like they, but they were encouraged and kept all of the old aesthetic. And then when they restore, it's just, so it's just, you know, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's incredible to, to walk around. And I know America's history is not that old, but uh, we don't even give a shit if it's, you know, but also things were, <laughs> it's, we're lucky a reason to believe exists at this point. <laughs> as we, as we have lamented <laughs> here. <laughs> so, so future generations can see Holly Marie Combs, to, much to her lament. I'm Put sure, it in but. the archive. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you had a good trip. It was a nice trip. Yeah. Um, so, I, had, I had to stay here, but I'm, whatever. I'm sorry. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> the the uh, the Hungarian baths were amazing, by the way. That uh, that was uh, yeah, it was um, it was a lot of like it was the most popular one from a tourist destination. Sure, I said sure. there was a ton of there were a ton of people there. Um, and I talked to you off mic about yeah. the TikTok portions of it, <laughs> right. which which is a, a global phenomenon. I know it's here in the states as well, but it, it is, and it's and it really wasn't as bad as I was making it out to be. There was only a couple <laughs> of girls there doing videos and stuff, and then it's fun, whatever. Uh, they, they're influencers. I mean, <laughs> right. that's their quote unquote job. <laughs> but there were a lot of it was a lot of European dick swinging at, yeah. at this place, which yeah. was, and of course the baths were not, you know, they're just outdoor pools essentially. But right. it was. Uh, it was just cool. It looked like a Wes Anderson picture. Like if you look at it from the, from like one of the balconies, it was like yeah. I mean, that's uh, what the that picture aesthetic. looked like yeah. too. Almost like the uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. 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 So. Oh, weird. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that, anyway. Was, that was my holiday trip. All right, so. Cool. Good for you. Um, I think all of us listening and talking to you right now are are jealous or angry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so angry. Yeah, spent, angry always. But spent, <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially since I told people who liked Killers of the Flower Moon to fuck off. But, um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, I spent the last week Boy, drinking hate mail. Austrian beer and no. mold, mold wine and okay. walking around uh, half drunk, watching people celebrate the birth of Christ by large amounts of commerce. Oh. You know, oh, which Christmas, is what, which is what he really wanted. Christmas. Um, that's yeah. why he was born. December that's why 25th. he was born was was to sell to sell <laughs> shit tchotchkes <laughs> and WWJD bracelets. <laughs> Do you think he laments like when he res was resurrected that he laments that he didn't like really cash in on his name, like he didn't really take advantage of the co of the of the uh, look, look. commercial look? What do you think the shroud of Turin is? <laughs>
<laughs> he good. came out of the tomb hawking that thing, right? Like <laughs> the first screen printed. <laughs> like the first selfie. <laughs> Mark was like, wow. We just Merry lost. We just, <laughs> <laughs> we just lost listeners. <laughs> well, actually, we shouldn't. I mean, if if, if anyone has mm. listened to this long enough to be a listener, th- they have to sort of expect some of these things, right? Yeah. Okay. I made a joke one time when I went to to um, Jordan, um, where you can actually see the quote unquote baptismal place of mm. of Christ. Is that they should have made it into a water slide where you <laughs> also are baptized at the end of it. It's, did it go over well? It didn't. It no. didn't go over well. But that's. But I'm used to that, and that's okay. Um, Look, you, the, the, that joke was for your amusement, and for no one else. Most of my jokes. I was going to say, yeah, that's, yes, that's, that is true. as they should be. As they should be. Um, do you want to talk briefly about dream scenario before yes, we get absolutely. into the? Okay, great. Absolutely. The zebra look the way it does. So embarrassing. Hey, focus. Says, oh, what? No, it's different now. Oh, you've been on my mind recently. Yeah. Because you keep popping up in my dreams. You don't do anything, you're just there. So, this specific person, the remarkable nobody, I've also had that experience. Do you have a picture? Have you been dreaming about me? Have I been dreaming about you? Yeah. There's like a hundred messages. Somebody wants to interview me. Well, this is strange. Maybe you should take a minute and think before you do anything drastic. Why me? Uh, I don't know. I'm special, I guess. How does it feel to go viral? Who's actually had a dream about me? You're scaring me, Paul. I'm going to have nightmares. I wish I was the one people were dreaming about. Me too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's something. How's he dealing with all this? We're not even the type of people that like attention, you know? Do you think other people are seeing you naked? Maybe thousands. I hope I'm behaving through your dreams. Oh, no, you're not. So I'm finally cool, huh? I didn't say that. You hear that, Janet? She's saying I'm a cool dad. Oh, <laughs> I really feel like you're playing with fire here. Zach, please help me! I'm not actually doing anything to them. You know, fame can come with some less desirable side effects. You should be prepared for that. Maybe we should cool this thing off. What? What do you mean? It's embarrassing. Which part? I guess I'll, uh... I guess I'll see you in my dreams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so of course not. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but I do want to touch on it because it is, I think, worth your time to see. So this is a nondescript academic starts appearing in the dreams of random people. He soon becomes a sensation, but his sought-after fame and attention has pretty terrible consequences, and he is forced to reckon with what he thought he wanted and what he lost. Well, tell us, you know, who it's directed by and what their previous this is, film was. This is Christopher Borgley's new film. He is the director of Sick of Myself, which, again, we talked on this very parish. We talked about this <laughs> film. I think Borgley's becoming a really 
acute satirist, yeah. especially of like this attention economy that we find ourselves in, right? And, and sort of asking this question of like, who gets what, who deserves recognition and why, right? And yeah. I don't, <clears throat> here's the thing, I, I, I don't really think this film is about fame or wanting to be famous, right? Or even like the pitfalls of fame. It seems to be a movie that interrogates what makes us think we should want this attention, right? And, and what and who tells us this attention is important or is a gateway to some kind of success, right? I think it's a film about undeserved wants or feeling like you should get something just because you're a straight white man. Well, and I think it's also, right, it's also how, yeah, I definitely think the straight white man is the, is really the point. I mean, yeah. the, at Nicolas Cage, I, it's, I wonder, I, I don't always give Nicolas Cage the, the benefit of the doubt, so mm -hmm. I wonder mm -hmm. how much he truly understood. I think Nicolas yeah. Cage is, is very, I think he's a desirable actor in the sense that I think that he spent his entirety of his youth, like, kind of breaking out of a box of a normal, mm. uh, it just, he, he will, he will come to your indie project and bring something that you may not be able to contain, but <laughs> right. will at least bring some interest into it and, and will do something with it. Um, so I think if there's something that's not on the page, I think he can add to that. So it takes mm -hmm. something like, uh, what was the Kathleen Turner movie? Um, Peggy Sue got married yeah. or something along those lines or, or vampires kid. <laughs> right. Um, so those, right. All those films, um, where he's like kind of taking it to the next level. And then of yeah. course, like you've got <clears throat> these independent filmmakers that can find a kind of rein him in and also like, you know, um, really kind of extract something from his world. But then you see something like, uh, prisons of Ghostland mm -hmm. and it doesn't always, mm -hmm. it doesn't always uh, translate. Um, so I wonder how much cage picked up on, Truly, because again, you talk when you see him in interviews or hear him in interviews, it's not always like he's 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 an actor. He's a working actor, yeah. right? It's not, yeah. <laughs> he's not some savant. Uh, and so I wonder if he really kind of truly understood what he was bringing to the table in this role and what and what um, and what this role was all about. Because I do think that the um, I do think that this is a, a very biting uh, and uh, you know and the kind of. Expose is the wrong term, but but just this biting uh, commentary on white privilege, um, and I also think it's an inter interesting um, dynamic and take on on not only undeserved fame, but then how everyone around you know in society reacts to that fame, and then how quickly we obviously can turn on it once it once right. it goes south, right? right? And once it turns, right. once it, it becomes a negative thing in our lives. Um, yeah, I do. I, it's it's. It's one of those films that I don't know, like sick of myself is so like on the nose, right? I mean, like you, it's very easy to pick up on and it's even like in a triangle of sadness type way. Yeah, it's very yeah, easy, yeah. easy to pick on up on what this, what the, what the satire is, is targeting here. I think dream scenario is much more subtle. I think this is a much more interesting and not a more interesting film, but I think this is a more interesting, uh, evolution in, in the filmmaking process where you're yeah. not kind of pointing it out. And of course it makes sense to not point it out because it's obviously that would be some sort of there'd be a, quite a bit of backlash, I think. Um, but I do yeah. think it's kind of, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a very subtle and um, really, I think it's a really good um, meditation on, on white privilege. Yeah. And that's what I talk, walked away from. It's like, it's kind of, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an audacious uh, take for a second yeah. film. To yeah. like, and, and for, for, it was a 24, right? Is that, is it was yeah. a Okay. So, I mean, you know, that's right. Cause I saw the poster for it. Um, and then, so, I mean, I saw a 24 put out one of their special posters for it, it was yeah. the reason I saw that, uh, 
and so yeah i mean like it doesn't it makes sense that a24 would put it out and they, they wouldn't be shying away from yeah. it but uh but yeah I, I mean i i really really dug it um i don't think all of it works i think it kind Mm-mm. of falls apart mm-hmm. at the end um that like third act this kind of the virtual reality stuff yeah. and then but I do think I do think, you know, him kind of turning into a Jordan Peterson uh, as, you know, like that third act actually, you know, plays pretty well. You see this right now working with are you have you kept up with the Matt Rife? You know, who Matt Rife is with the comedian. Yeah, um, a, little bit, a little bit. And I've seen a little bit about that. Yeah. But he's most recently gone on Jordan Peterson's oh, podcast Jesus. to like <laughs> like reclaim yeah. his his. Uh, but I mean, what me is. Yeah. And that's <clears throat> I mean, this is that it, it's exactly that. Right. It's this idea of like, well, I should. I mean, look, what I find so sort of fascinating about this film is that this character constantly wants credit for things that he has no reason to want credit for. Right. Right. And so in this same kind of way of like, well, no, you should just give me these things. I should just be able to get this fame or sort of be popular, or you should laugh at me just because or, or whatever. Right. Right. Even in the dreams, he does nothing. <laughs> he gets famous for doing nothing in the dreams. Right. And famous is the wrong word. He gets, He's like TikTok famous, right? I mean, right. he's like, I mean, essentially is what it is, but he, he never acts. And so he wants credit from like an old, an old, you know, grad school colleague because she's doing similar research to what he did in, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And he hasn't written anything since then, but he wants credit because somewhere he had a similar idea to hers. And she's like, what? Like, what are you talking <laughs> about? But, but that's the whole thing. Like, he wants people to give him attention for these dreams, even though he's not doing anything in the dreams and then doesn't even do anything interesting with that attention. No. And this is a guy by all accounts lives this very upper crust, middle class. And did you notice it's not even his house? Right. <laughs> it's it's his wife's house that she grew up there. Yeah. This, <laughs> so like he doesn't it, even. It's yeah, it's it, it's weird that it, it's kind of getting. I guess lost in the, I don't hear anybody really talking about it. And and it's, it's interesting that this white fragility and this white privilege that this is clearly taking aim at is not really being discussed in in terms of this film. Have we, I don't know, have we lost that in some sense, or maybe I'm just not returning into the right, into the right channels. But I mean, like where, who's talking about this? Like who's doing film dissection at this point, especially at this level, we we talked about it with they call um you know they clone Tyrone. Yeah, it's the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Where we and you and I guess you see it some. I guess I haven't seen that new Julia Roberts film, but I guess I, I don't know what oh, oh, what clicks seen. and what doesn't. And like <clears throat> and but you would figure an A twenty four release starring Nicolas Cage, and, you know, by a director of a of a heralded indie that. Um, but it, who 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 watched Sick of Myself? Yeah, I guess I, well, I, I would mean, hope, you know, I would hope film critics, I would hope that, you know, but, and I haven't, like, to be fair, I haven't read many reviews of dream scenario, but, but it, and I don't go out and seek them out, but I mean, most of them are going to, I don't, it just doesn't seem like there's a, like, a conversation being had about, um, you know, the underlying themes of a lot of these films. So, so I think, I think this, something you just said is a really interesting point about, you didn't go seek them out. But the fact that you have to seek them out, I think is part of why there isn't a bigger conversation. It's like, where are the real kind of, I mean, other than this podcast, (laughs) where are the real sort of in-depth conversations about film or even about art, right? In general. Okay. Maybe some other podcasts, but people aren't talking. 
the things that move the needle are maybe not this kind of film, even though we think they should be, because they're doing interesting things and bringing up interesting questions. Well, flip right? the script, right? I mean, yeah. like, and something like Sound of Freedom, you heard that shit all over the place. And and this should be the same type of needle mover that would, I mean, look, I know that there is, that that's a lightning rod for both sides, right? I mean, yeah. like, and so I get that, but this is a similar topic that people should be excited about. Right, Whether but does this take more work? Absolutely. Than like Sound of Freedom. Right, absolutely. So there you go, you just answer your own question. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, like, no, like, no. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, seriously, I think that is a problem. I think that like it's so easy to look at Sound of Freedom because it, again, is wearing its message all over itself, right? Like, right. really all over itself. And of course, then like, you know, the the other side is sort of wearing its indignation all over itself but people aren't sitting down you know to dig into this film and be like huh this is interesting even if all of it doesn't work right i see right. some you know interesting tidbits to pull out here and kind of get into and how again it's comment commenting directly on the society we live in in this moment right right and i think to dismiss it is to dismiss that right is to dismiss everything around us it, it, I almost wonder if it's like a failing of the distribution houses that are, that they're not playing this up, that they're not talking to these, to these points, and they're and then to that end, there's just not enough. Like the you know the the junket press tours are are yeah. just going to talk about blah blah blah, and you know just the very surface level bullshit. But like I would want the director to be out there talking about this, um, giving their opinions on this. I mean, not clearly this seems to be the message that they're trying to get across, I know. and like. But like, if you look at the marketing for it, for I mean, it looks like a kind of farcical. Uh, oh, it's a next the next you know Nicolas Cage kind of silly, right, right, um, right. you know, uh, you know, unbearable talent kind of thing. Ha uh-huh, ha! You know, he's gonna freak out. Right, right, and and oh, this looks weird. So let's go see it. And I, look, I get that you're you're gonna want to trick some Fox News viewers into going to see yeah. Dream Scenario. They're not gonna pull out what I mean. Like they're, they're not, not gonna they're not gonna, no. they're not gonna see it no. anyway. Uh, I mean, they're not going to see the film, but I'm not, they're, they're not going to get gonna, the subtext. They're not going to read the subtext. Right. right? Um, I, I do. I, I really liked it. I, I, I you know, I, I, I love the I, I, I really love this, um, you know, his progression, especially, you know, going from a from a guy who never wanted to be recognized except, you know, when it behooved him. Right. I mean, he teaches about the zebra and blending in. And that's the and that's the whole reason, you know, and then when he's starts to get the modicum of fame then he starts to lean into it and then obviously <laughs> when it all turns on him and then then he leans into the right wing like to the point where he's wearing a freddy krueger club right like there's <laughs> there's a real level of like like i said there's a real level of brilliance there that i think is is i just don't i who like show yeah. me who's talking about yeah. it yeah um and this is a and film, come talk to us and this is a film like again this has been such a fucking light year for movies and like important, uh, significant art house, meaningful m- motion pictures. And I just, I, it's crazy to me that this one is kind of flying under the radar. Now, maybe it's because it's close to poor things and poor things is probably going <laughs> to clean up on yeah. all the yeah. smaller awards. Um, but like when you have such like non film, huge films, like Killers and, and Napoleon, or, which I have not seen Napoleon yet, but it's seemingly turning out to be. Uh, of these just easily forgotten, like quote unquote prestige right. films. Why right. aren't you picking up 
the fact that the only other release in the theaters at the moment is is a really really interesting independent film being put out by a really really interesting production company that has a message here that whether or not you agree with or not it at least is tackling it which yeah. i don't think there's been any other film really that's that's done that no um, not, it, i mean it, not not as successfully i think is is this yeah. yeah so go see dream scenario go see it and it's shot on 16 millimeter it's super grainy right but it plays with that dream yeah. kind of haziness which i think is great which i think is a really a really good choice um yeah go see it okay let's um Ooh, let's open presents, Jason. Let's do it. <laughs> um, where do you want to start? I don't know. Do you need, I didn't know if you wanted to, to spin the wheel. Or oh, I didn't make a wheel. Didn't make a wheel. Um, Doesn't matter. Let's just... I don't know. We can do alphabetical order. Pick up. <laughs> okay. Okay. We can do that. We can start with... Well, I guess, do we start with a woman kills <laughs> or do we start with the butcher boy? Uh, let's start with the woman kills. All right. Let's start with the woman kills. Yes. One of the happy films that I gave Jason. So this is, here is the, um, <clears throat> well, this is a lost film by the director, Jean-Denis Bonin, um, again, shot on 60 millimeter during the 1968 protest there in Paris. The log line is, a, ser- a series of prostitute murders disturbs the public with the thought of a serial killer on the loose, which really does not describe this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, it, it, uh... I, this movie fucking is bug nuts, man. This is, it's just, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's all at once uh, funeral parade of roses. It's psycho. It's like yeah. all of this in its, you know, uh, French new wave expressionism. It's, 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 I don't know why this was a lost film. I don't either. So, so essentially, or at least kind of what I gleaned was that they couldn't really find a place for it. They were like, what is this? We don't know. Because like you just said there, it touches on all these different genres while not touching on any of them. Right. <laughs> it's really weird. And it's as much as it feels French wave, it's kind of like an anti or French new wave. It's kind of like an anti new wave, new wave. It's, yeah. it's, it's weird. It's not really quite that either. It's like shadows for French <laughs> new wave. essentially. Kind of, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. And so they were just like, they just shelved it. They were like, we don't know what to do with this. And so we're just going to put it away. Right, and then, it's, but it's an hour and 10, like, why I know, not show it? Like, I mean, know. Like, throw it out there and see what sticks. Right. right. I mean, like what's the harm and, and putting together a few 16 millimeter prints of this and seeing where you can show it. Yeah, I wonder too, how much of the like pervading attitude, social attitude, right. You know, worked against it because as much as I admire France, right? Um, and as much as I think there's some really cool stuff in sort of French society, they're still fairly, fairly Catholic in some of their views, right? Some of their views, or at least at this time in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I mean, I don't know when was abortion legal there before it was here or not. I don't quite remember, but I know like being gay and in this case, uh, is he trans? He's just a cross-dresser. We're not really quite like sure, mm-hmm. but that was, you know, not really, you know, looked on with, <laughs> with, <laughs> with, o- with open arms. Right, right. Well, as much as there's this kind of also like, you know, free love attitude in the film too, which I think is, you know, sort of an interesting joke. I mean, because there's a lot of casual sex just for casual sex sake. Right. 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 <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but then there's this complete like pushback on, say, homosexuality or this kind of 
gender fluidity. I, this, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm sitting here smiling because this, this fucking movie, man, it's impossible. Like, so, because again, to, to explain it in just in normal plot terms is doing it such a disservice. Oh yeah, I know. Because you've got to, you've got to, and so spoiler alert: a, a woman does kill, but only at the end, and she kills the man who's been dressing as a woman to kill women to who to killed to who's killed all the other women, and they don't hide this. No, I mean no, like that, that's the yeah. thing too. Like I mean like really, the first time you see him chasing like, anyone, oh, yeah. you're like, okay, well that's clearly <laughs> yeah. that's clearly him that's, in a dress. Yeah. In a, in a, in okay, a, yeah. <clears throat> I do think it's. Uh, I, I, God damn, there's just so much about this fucking movie I know, that I, love. I know, like, right? Like, it's, it's, it's so funny, and, I mean, like, it's so, but it's, and it's so s- serious and, like, like weirdly sexy and also weirdly unsexy, yep. like, it's just, yep. like, the, our, our, um, you know, the, the, the titular, uh, you know, um, the bad guy in this movie. Louis. Is is been he was his mother made him dress up in children's in, in women's clothes children's clothes yeah. <laughs> all that problems with that. when you yeah uh, like they don't fit me anymore it's weird <laughs> his mom made him dress up in in girls clothing uh you know and so that we're led to believe you know this is very this has a very much of a psycho element in that yeah. case and and yeah. then so he dresses up as a woman later on in life um he does this and then you know. So what has happened is that a prostitute, it, prostitutes have been k- being killed in Paris. Uh, and then they, so at the beginning of the film, we learned that the prostitute that they've, that they've arrested and convicted of these crimes has been executed, but immediately more prostitutes are being um, murdered. And then we get all of this in kind of a pseudo documentary style where we meet the prostitutes who have been killed and we kind of watch their deaths. Um, Louis is in the executioner who is the actual person who's actually doing the, he's also the executioner, but also the actual person doing the murdering. Also, that's the street um, name. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, he's seducing the lead detective on the case. Uh, and, and so, uh, they are kind of in a weird, like cat and mouse kind of relationship. Uh, all the while, there is a narrator that's going mm-hmm, on and, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's like I said, like narrating the most mundane and very specific details yeah. of all these people's lives. Yeah. There are also Jonathan Richmond S songs being sung throughout the movie, which like, yeah, are almost like touching on what's going on, but in an ironic way, it's, right. yeah, it's great. that's where I started like really laughing at the end of yeah. the movie. When yeah. They're doing the rowboating down the, <laughs> yeah. and, like he's like specifically talking about what they're doing. It's just so like crisp and good yeah. and like it's just like everything is like it's crazy it's just it's crazy that they that the, the studio executives didn't see this and like kind of run with it i know it's, it's i mean I, yeah it is a weird movie oh yeah I, I mean like and it doesn't like it it doesn't help you out at all like Mm-mm. the sec the sex scenes and some of the scenes like you don't see any of the prostitutes naked but you see the 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 detective naked at the mm-hmm. beginning which mm-hmm. i think is a really brilliant mm-hmm. um you know kind of spin like there's this gaslighting that Louis does to the to the detective, mm-hmm. like where he pretends to be paranoid um, in order to kind of put all of that on her and then to keep her from looking too far into what mm-hmm. he's doing. Mm-hmm. So good. And it's like and it, it's also not really called out. It's just very subtle. Um, and then there's like these these sex scenes that are, are filmed, like from the bottom of a mattress and like of the of the springs of the, the bed springs, springs like through. The, yeah. 
<laughs> that's the funniest song. And I don't remember if I wrote down any of the uh any of the in the lyrics of that song, but like uh oh, yeah, he starts the song starts talking about how like after they have lunch, you know, sorting out the cheese crust. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and like how we're like how the audience is titillated but not too titillated and we're watching like these excited bed springs. Mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. I, I want to go. I like. I want the soundtrack to this. Obviously, I don't know French, so it would be. We lost him. That, that, that was so. That's okay. But I mean, look. I love like <laughs> Francois Hardy. Sure. And sure. I don't know what the hell she's saying, but but any like ye French pop is great. But that to me, like again, so and like I, it it, it really speaks to. I can't believe the Fairley Brothers haven't seen this before they heard something about Mary. Because this <laughs> they, they did right. right. They, they didn't get released until until two thousand. 10. 10 right yeah. and that was a and then 2013 or 14 is when they did the restoration um but yeah this is exactly what there's some i mean like obviously this movie is funnier than there's something about mary in that sense of like of those songs um but it's very specifically just this and i've never seen it done any outside of any of these outside of these two films i know i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i'm glad you liked it i mean i think that I, something that i find it's like, yeah, the title is a complete misdirect, right? And then we get, I mean, you brought up Hitchcock a couple times, but I think this like really swerves from that. Like it right. could have easily fallen into just that kind of style, but it swerves into something more where it's, where it is like a sociopolitical commentary. It, it digs into this idea that past trauma is just as important as like PTSD and the stress of work and the fact that this guy was a soldier mm-hmm. in Algeria and now he's an executioner. Well, I mean, this is like two different roles of state-sanctioned murder. <laughs> right. And I mean, bringing these ideas up, right? And then how he includes actual footage of the protests in the film. How he's like almost shooting like guerrilla style around the protests and then including that stuff in there. I thought it was brilliant. Like, like every minute. Yeah. Has some, like when, when the you, you first meet Kathy, which is the first prostitute that we see that gets killed. And she's like an expert or she specializes in animalistic lovemaking. Yes. <laughs> as a documentary, like just as a documentary style voiceover reading that to you. You're, you're also at the beginning, you you only see the face. Helene is the prostitute that gets executed. And you only see the face of the priest that is giving her, uh, you know, absolution yeah. for these for these crimes. Yeah. And it, that's so well done. And then um, and then when the police chief is t- is, is is talking about how uh they're when they're chasing Louis, they found out that Louis is their actual murderer. And he's like, don't kill him, you know, uh, wear him down. The, the blood that he bleeds will be the blood, how we find him and his, and his, he'll be so tired. His hands will turn to jellyfish and he won't be able to hold the, and this is this guy who's on weirdly on crutches, like yeah. walking around his office, like, Eloquent, you know, just being eloquent over, over the, over the, 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 the radio. The radio. Cap, cap. It, yeah. And then, then the interviews where they're interviewing like <laughs> and the, and the college students, like, I don't have anything against sadists. Yeah. Like, I don't really care because it doesn't affect students. I'm just like, God, damn, <laughs> how do you not love? How do you not I, release this movie? How does this sit? Uh, like, even if, cause he's not dead. He's still, or at least he was working until like 2019. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, how do you not pick this up in the seventies or eighties or something where right. this gets like, how does it how take did this, this sit long? until 2010? Right. For, <laughs> and he had to encourage them to like right. get it out and like bring it back out. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, when I first watched it, I was like, I can't believe this was lost. I can't believe this was not 
And I give him more attention. I, I think his last, his short before this was about cannibalism. Yeah. And that was like, okay, we don't, that was like actually a banned film. Yeah. And then this one, they were like, well, you know, whatever. I mean, this is, <laughs> we'll just add it to your other list of banned <laughs> films. And I do get it. This, you know, this has a lot of like, even in French New Wave, you didn't see a lot of explicit nudity like this. There was, I mean, like, there's not, uh, that's another thing that I, that I really, really loved is when, um, what's the detective's name? Solange. Solange. Um, when she's, when they're about to have sex, the, he has like five takes where he starts at her feet and then she's like in different states of undress yeah. as he, as he yeah. grows up her body. And of course we're, there's a song telling us how we're supposed to feel about mm-hmm. all of this. I thought that was really brilliant. Um, like I said, there's just so much to unpack here in like for an hour and 10 minute movie. Uh, it's just so wonderful. Like yeah. it's just so much fun to watch. And I, you know, I don't it, like, it's so like, uh, overly dramatic too, when they're doing the chase scenes and he's running across rooftops. It's just like, it's, it's this weird, like pseudo parody. It's like, like I said, it's almost like a parody of French new wave and all of, and, and psycho and all of these things. Yeah. And it's just, like, <laughs> Well, I mean, it's like this weird, it's like this weird mix of like generic thrills mm-hmm. with, with like documentary style, but also like a new wave thing. But there's also like then this callback, I think, to, to Lay Vampire, right? The Louis yeah. Fiat yeah, film, yeah, right? Yeah. The rope chases. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know. It kept me interested. Like, yeah, not, I mean, I know it's like 70 minutes, but still it's just, it's, it's, it's so good. And I think it's one that. If you see, it's like I said, this is another movie. Like to me, like this is a film like Funeral Parade of Roses where it's just, right. this is one you'll, and, and I think it's, you know, with the Radiance release and things like that, it gets, it's a little bit more, uh, has a little bit more notoriety, but like, yeah, it's, it's just a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, it was, when I watched it, I immediately thought of Funeral Parade of Roses and sort of an interesting conversation those two would make, you know, back to back, right? Yeah. Or with each other. Yeah. Go watch it. Go, go watch, watch it. it. It's on Tubi, oddly enough. Oh, like, is it's it? Weirdly on Tubi for streaming for free. That's that's weird because you know what screamers I gave Jason my Blu-ray a long, long time ago. <laughs> well, you can watch it on Tubi. <laughs> I'll bring it back. Next I'm time. just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, want to do the Butcher Boy? Let's do the Butcher Boy. All right. <laughs> In a small Irish town where I was born, there was me da and ma. There's an awful woman, your mother. And me best friend, Joe. Until the end of time! What are you doing? Jesus Christ, get out! No boy is so bad that you can't find a scrap of goodness in him. But pretty soon they were all after me. Hey, fish! Fuck off! On account of what I'd done on Mrs. Nugent. Chances he got living in a pigsty. Pigs! This little pig went to market. So what do you think, pigs? Will our lady come or not? This little pig stayed at home. Do you think the devil just leave the two of us alone, eh, da? Just leave the two of us alone. This little pig had roast beef. Francis, you've unlocked something very precious. And this little pig... None. Hello, Francie. Hello, Our Lady. How are things? Uh, not so bad. I was a bit worried there for a while. 
the feel-good movie of the year. It really, it really is. I mean, look, here's the thing. Here's 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 your basic plot, <laughs> which again does not do this film justice. The antisocial son of an alcoholic father and a bipolar mother grows up in 1960s Ireland. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Sinead O'Connor, yeah, Sinead O'Connor plays a Virgin Mary. That's really what was notable about the film at the time. Like, I mean, it's that was so kind of, good. Though. Yeah, it really is. She's yeah. great. Oh, she's fantastic. Yeah. Why? Why would anyone be surprised by that? Right. Look, yeah, she, I, look here's the thing. Like, a little tangent. She never got her due. No, she never got her due. Um, I hope one day she does. But the way she was, you know, the way that she was then being treated by this sort of prince estate, maybe she won't. I don't know. Right, know, right, anyway, right. Anyway, but yeah, she never got her due. I don't, I don't think this film gets its due. Either. I don't think so either. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't feel. And Neil Jordan again oh. has become one of those filmmakers, kind of like Neil Labute at this point. Like you don't really know what films he has coming out. I, so I was looking back at his catalog. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like some of the stuff he's made, you're just like, this is weird that they're all made by the same guy. Yeah. Right. You know, he did the Good Thief, right, with the Bob Slam, the the mm-hmm. the Melville remake. He did the Crying Game. Um, Mona Lisa, right? Yeah. But then he did like just last year, Marlowe, Marlo, which was yeah. terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and but films like that, and it's just a weird, weird collection. I wonder if in dreams, kind of didn't mm-hmm. end, and like mm-hmm. kind of like uh, you know, this film gets killed because of the Jonesboro shootings. Um, it gets released or right around the same time or like mm-hmm. right afterwards, and so like the marketing obviously. Um, you know, this film culminates in a in a young boy. Um, so this basically, the, it's a it's a it's a young boy's descent into madness and violence. Essentially, um, you know, he's uh, he's, he's from an alcoholic. Like Brock said, he's like yeah. an alcoholic father and a suicidal mother. Uh, I think bipolar is an interesting way to like kind of. Like, I mean, I get it, I guess, but I mean, it's so interesting, like very specific diagnosis. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Which we don't really get a lot of time with her anyway. Right, right. I mean, we do sort of see like the highs and the lows where she spends an entire, well, she fills up the house with, with baked goods, right, right? And just won't stop. And then the next, you know, or like a short time later, she's on top of the table ready to hang herself. So, I mean, I guess we do get the big swings, but I don't, I mean, yeah. yeah. It seems very, I don't know, it just seems very <laughs> unnecessarily specific, especially for 1950s, early 60s. Yeah. Ireland to, to like, yeah, I don't think they were throwing around terms like bipolar, especially when they were still doing shock treatments and, and, you know, um, but this all hinges, uh, on the boy. Yeah. Uh, Eamon, I think that's how you say his name. Eamon, Eamon Owens. Yeah. Um, in the story. Yeah. Francie. Uh, and this is based on a novel, uh, kind of Mm -hmm. a very first person esque kind of stream of consciousness novel. And we Uh, have this voiceover in the film kind of from, and I think that's, Directly from it that, is right? it is so yeah. the 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 person who and I can't remember his name Pat uh, McCabe Pat right McC- yeah Pat McCabe who played uh, um um like Jack the Drunk or whatever mm-hmm. in the movie mm-hmm. yeah he helped co-script this because it was like one of these books that was like just like we're going to get to in a second um oh, yeah. was, <laughs> was kind of an unfilmable novel right, really right. I mean and and so. Uh, because of all of the voiceover and exposition, I mean, like, so, but he helped co-script it and they kept that in. They were thinking that, you know, if they ever did make this as a movie, they'd have to jettison that, but they ended up keeping it in. And I think that really helps kind of play up to the whimsy of, of, um, you know, of this story, because we're told the story from a young boy's perspective and, and from a young boy who's basically ostracized from everybody except for from his best friend, Joe. And then even then this, this Joe can't handle, um, and his 
most likely encouraged to stay away from Francie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Francie goes from being a uh, kind of a ruffian and like a ne'er do well, uh, but also just kind of dealing with the, the you know the fact of being any you know there's probably some mental illness that's being carried on there as well. Oh, one hundred percent. If 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 not like genetically passed down, then like environmentally learned. Sure. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's a he's he's you know uh, ostracized from um, Harry Potter's aunt uh, Fiona Shaw. <laughs> It's too bad that she has been like lumped in right. with that she's, because she's fantastic. Everything she does, yeah. she's incredible. In. Yeah, uh, it, is, it is. But it's funny to see like all of the Harry Potter know, people in I this know. movie too. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, because Brendan Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson, yeah. Uh, and there's one other one. There's um, one other person that I can't remember now who it was. But uh, so yeah, he. He ends up running away from home because after after his uncle comes back and there's a big kind of dust up with his father and his mother, he runs away from home while he's gone. His mother commits suicide. Um, and then basically it's all kind of downhill from there. He gets sent off to a um, he ends up beating up um, the the boy that Joe mm. it, it basically uh, Fiona, Fiona Shaw's, Shaw's son, kid. Right. Yeah. Who's kind of his his nemesis in this, but not and he, the kid doesn't really do anything to him. He just doesn't like, no, Francie's a bully, but right, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. So Francie whips him with the chain. Uh, and, and then he gets sent off to a boys boarding school, but it's a Catholic boys boarding school. And, uh, he kind this of, takes, Ireland. he kind of takes over yes, when he goes yes. there and like, and, uh, and he gets a vision of the Virgin Mary when he's out in the potato fields or whatever the fields that they're doing out. Um, Bog, the uh, the peat, uh, peat yes, bogs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, so he becomes kind of this minor celebrity in the, in the boys school. Uh, the, the stable man, <laughs> the stable keeper, like kind of befriends him and like, is like, is, is kind of like, I don't know if that conscious is not the right word, but kind of his confidant in that yeah, sense. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Comrade in arms against right. the Catholic priest. Yeah. Um, but the main priest, um, ends up, molesting him but dressing him up in a bonnet that was his mother's bonnet or and, and then um they he these people walk in on him and then so uh they they basically tell him to go home well francie stabs him oh that's right that's right yeah he yeah. stabs him with like a fountain pen like in his neck and but he stabs him because like he's he's, he's being getting, molested yeah, right yeah and then you know the other priest Brendan Gleason, you know knows this and it's like oh it looks like you're getting out of here Francie <laughs> <laughs> right so they send but you're him, not going to say anything they right send him here. back home on the, under the auspices that they won't tell anybody what happened there yeah. so he goes and works now he's a full on butcher boy because he works in this like uh, slaughterhouse yeah slaughterhouse yeah. where they're killing pigs and um. Then at that point, he ends up, Joe's no longer his best friend. Joe ends up um, befriending the uh, Francis. Uh, his, uh, I forget the other kid's name. Um, what is his name? Philip. Philip, yeah. Right? <clears throat> uh, Philip gave him a goldfish. Gave Joe a goldfish. Gave Joe a goldfish, yeah. Francie told Joe not to worry about the goldfish. It's okay. <laughs> I understand, Joe. You had to take it. Right. Um <laughs> And so, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, and then, and, and, and so you Francie, forgot that Stephen Ray, his trumpet playing dad dies. Oh, that's right. That's in right. The that's, house. that's the one part I forget. Yeah. <laughs> his dad's a drunk, um, and he's of ill health. That, that happens so weirdly fast. I know. I know. Like, and it's so he like, sort of coughs and he like, we see this and then it's just, he's just 
dead in a chair. Dead in a chair. Um, so Francis <laughs> starts to really kind of lose his marbles. He's like, he, he doesn't turn his dad, you know, he doesn't reveal that his dad's dead. Right. He ends up staying in the house. Um, and then, uh, you know, Francie ends up shooting Philip's mom in the neck because Joe and Philip, well, F- Joe with, with, with a, um, butcher gun, what, what, with, with a bolt gun. I like that butcher gun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's um, like from West Side Story. Then when you use butcher guns, <laughs> when you use butcher guns, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then chops her up, right? So, oh. so Joe and Philip go off to boarding school together. Um, right. Francie tries to go and 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 get Joe to be his friend again, um, but uh, Joe does tells him that he's not his friend. So he goes back to become a butcher again, and then he ends up killing Philip's mom um, with a bolt gun, a butcher gun. And chops her up and puts her in with all the rotted cabbage and carrots. <laughs> all of the slop for um, the pigs, yeah. And then the cops come and, and arrest him. And then he spends the rest of his life in jail until he gets out as an old man. And now he looks like his father. <laughs> and, uh, Weird. Yeah. <laughs> looks just like Stephen Ray with like a, <laughs> with like red, red hair. hair right. <laughs> and, Who knew? Yeah. And then he's, you know, uh, good old Francie, uh, Good guy Francie is, is got goes, gets to live in a halfway house after yeah. he's been let out after he's not. But he's still man. he's still talking to the Virgin Mary. Look, this all this movie all hinges on on Eamon Owen's uh performance. That's what I wrote too. It it yeah. I mean like it, it and it's it is terrible that this is the year that, you know, Miramax basically buys the Ox Oscars, right? Yeah, this is yeah, Shakespeare in yeah. Love year. Yeah. Um you know, this is affliction. You're not that affliction's not worthy. Uh, but the fact that this kid doesn't get, this movie doesn't get recognized and this yeah. kid doesn't get recognized like this, it, it, no hyperbole. This is one of the best performances of a kid, it's really if good. not just of, of an, any actor. Um, and like to have the entirety of this movie right on his shoulders and no experience. Right. It's, it's, it's He's a non-actor, right? Like I it's mean, crazy yeah. how good he is and how, um, I mean, like, obviously Ray's voiceover really helps, um, but th- that doesn't take away from what this kid is able to do and a- able to portray. Yeah. And like the, just the kind of abandon that he that he attacks this role with um, and and turns a character who shouldn't be lovable right into this antihero that you root for. Yeah. That th- I mean, obviously, this kid's been been put upon and had trauma and trouble and doesn't deserve the things that have happened to him. Um, but also he turns to violence and yeah. murder yeah. Um, as a, as a, you know, basically uh, as a reflection of the society that's happening at the moment as well. So I was going to say like, there's so much, I mean, the other stuff going on in this film is his sort of um, influence or the influence he takes from the nuclear age. Right. And sci-fi he sees on TV or like, you know, the, the explosions, right. Or the fear of explosion, the fear of sort of like the cold war. Um, was there like a duck and cover ad? Yeah. In, well, okay. Right. So there was a, to, yeah. When he goes yeah, into the TV, there's a duck. And yeah. Cover. So there's that there's, there's like thoughts of aliens and, and even like cowboys and stuff on TV. So he's all of this stuff going on, like his, in his imagination, it's also then being, I think, fueled further by the trauma that he's, that he's, well, undergoing as well. Right. right. And so those are the things that end up raising him in an right. essence, right? He's, right. he's raised on pop culture. He's raised on, yeah, it's like a Simpsons episode, <laughs> right? He's raised on fear. Um, and then the only people that should be authority figures in his life are evil. 
I mean, yeah. they're just, yeah. I mean, like his, or, you know, and, you know, crazy. I mean, they're just, well, you know, I mean, right. Like, like his parents. Yeah. I mean, his parents have issues, but the community just kind of, I mean, this is where <laughs> this is a film about how we kind of ultimately fail each other. Right. About how those around us who should help us then, you know, turn on us and shake their head and sort of tisk tisk us. Right. When we, when we kind of go off the rails, I always knew that one. Well, if you always knew and why the fuck didn't you do something? Right. Right. Why didn't you step in to help? I mean, I think that's a big part of what goes on here. It, it, you know, it turns this in this idea of victimization and sort of victim blaming at the same time. I think that my favorite scene is the scene where Francis goes into the um, he's got the he's now the butcher boy and he's got the pig's head. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and he's with the three women that are always kind of like, you know, giving guff, but like love him at the same time. Yeah. And he kind of turns like in a Joe Pesci sense. Of oh, like, I'm a ticket, am I? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I'm a clown. Am I a clown? What kind of ticket? <laughs> I fucking amuse yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. A ticket like, for the bus. Right. <laughs> <and they're> <laughs> Yeah, the kid's so quick-witted and like so, like like just uh, yeah, it's so. And then he's like, "Oh, I'm just I got that Francie, that Francie gotcha." <laughs> and they all like, like nervously laugh and yeah. kind of like yeah. Um, I was gonna say that that was a scene that really stood out to me too, and I think a scene where I don't think it works nearly as well if we don't have that kind of voiceover that almost like smooths everything out, right? Or makes everything kind of palatable right. because of sort of the joviality that that voiceover comes across with. <laughs> and so we see scenes like that and we're not sort of as taken aback. It's not as dark as it could be. Right. And, and, and the voiceover takes a different meaning once you know the ending of the film, mm -hmm. right? So now that you know that Francie's basically telling you his story and, uh, and I love to when the voiceover and France, you know, Francis start arguing with one another, and, like, and the voiceover is almost scared of young Francis mm -hmm. too. Um, yeah, I mean, I you know, out of all of Jordan's films, I I mean, I I really like The Good Thief. I really like The Crying Game. I think yeah. this is, if not his best film, I mean, in, in his top three. I mean, like it's just it's so and it's and it's weird that it doesn't get much recognition like it's not one of the ones that people i don't think people go back to this one i mean like and i know michael collins and, and you know there's there's different reasons that cer certain ones do um you know obviously interview with the vampires the big money maker and, and yeah. things like that but uh but i think that these movies that you know where he does have them set in, in ireland and kind of are more personal stories to him are, are really really good yeah and this one in particular i think and obviously i, I mean like i said because of Eamon, that this movie is just is 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 really next level and that yeah yeah no i was gonna say like i mean i think um that's something that i made a, a note of was that this film is really like it's so good because of those of those performances and you know i think a lesser film would slide into a kind of didacticism or sentimentality but mm -hmm. this one sort of really just kind of toes that line right so there has to be a certain amount of it, but too much, right, would tip the scales. And, and I think this is a nice job of sort of balancing that. Right, because you never get the sense that Francis feels sorry for himself, mm -mm. right? You never mm -mm. get the sense that that he he is hurt in a lot of situations. Um, but even when his dad is dead or his mom is dead or his mom is off to the garage where he's that's where he's calling you when you have a breakdown. That's, that's, where, right, you, that's, that's right. where you go. That's right. yeah. um, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, that he never he you know and I, I know a lot of it is an act but like there's there's a sequence when philip's uncles are are beating up uh uh francis and and they're holding joe back and, and they're asking joe 
you know, why you're hanging out with yeah. him. And he's like, you know, he's not my friend. And, you know, he was, he made me do this. And Francis is like, well, why'd you have to say that? You couldn't yeah. have said something else, Joe. You, you couldn't, you didn't have to tell him you, you weren't my friend. You could have told him something else. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, and so that's why I think that's kind of also what makes this movie so powerful is that the, all of this that this kid is carrying um, is just so palpable. There's a know? lot of weight and a lot of rage. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm glad you brought up Philip's uncles because we haven't touched on the fact that Fiona Shaw sends her grown brothers. These are these are men probably. Well, they're Irish, so they look like they're in their 40s. They might be in their 20s. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but these guys are grown men and they're going after an 11 year old. I mean, right. He's yeah. like, he's like 11, 12. The second time they go after him. Right. And, it, and this is the scene you're talking about where, where Joe's like, Oh, he's not my friend. Francie gets a rock and he takes these two grown men yeah. down. And I'm like, wow, these, these are bad henchmen. Right? These, <laughs> these are not very good. Right? You're not very good at your job if that's what it is. But I mean, that rage that comes out of him because of all this stuff. I mean, that's where it came from, right? I mean, yeah. it's sort of lashing out in that violent manner when someone is sort of besetting violence upon you. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, the, the kid is, it's, it's heartbreaking. It is, it is a heartbreaking, but also hilarious <laughs> kind of story. Yeah. And that's the thing too. I think this film kind of tricks you yeah. into like, cause I think it really not going in, if you hadn't have read, if you hadn't read the novel, not going in and knowing where this is going to end up. This is a whimsical, you know, Dennis the Menace kind of it's like kind of Python esque. Yeah. I mean, in 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 its sort of use of like kind of goofy sounds and like even just the the set design feels like something from like well, yeah, because you get a lot of the the kind of superimposed imagery mm -hmm. um, and it's gray. Yeah, I mean, that kind of yeah. yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and he has, you know, an imagination that allow that affords him the, you know, the big bug heads and, and the gifts yeah, that he, that he yeah. brings his mom coming to life. And, um, so there's a lot of, you know, a child's imagination, uh, that's, that's displayed here. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, I, it's, so I think it kind of lulls you to sleep that when the final murder does come and he just grabs Fiona by the neck and puts a bolter, it's like. Don't, and what's so great about that scene is that at that moment, that's really the only moment where he's like, you got the best of me, but fuck you. Yeah. Like yeah. he's like, you, don't worry. You won. Joe's gone. Yep. Joe's out of my life. Yep. And he shoots her and it's just ads. Yeah, and then he just, I mean, then he just goes straight into hacking her up and it's just, and like, but, and at that point he's back to being Francie. Mm -hmm. He's back to like, talking about how he has to bury her deep inside the cabbages and the carrots. And like, it's, and then, and then, you know, when he gets captured by the cops, he takes them back to the same place where he beat Philip with the chain. He does the same and trick. Does the same yeah. thing with the cops. <laughs> and like, it doesn't, none of it really, like, even when he's being taken off to prison, like, he's like, it's like, I guess you're going to hang me. Right. And he's like, and he's like, well, we don't do hangings anymore. It's like, what the hell is this country I know, coming I know. Anything else about the Butcher Boy? It was really good. I mean, it's it's one of uh, one of Jordan's films I hadn't seen, um, so thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks. Merry so, Christmas. Merry Christmas. So speaking of Merry Christmas, should we do Morven Collar and uh, the Christmas gift she got? 
Yes, let's yeah. let's move into that. Okay, even though it's not in alphabetical order. Well, you just mentioned that because it's, this was a novel, right? True, that true, was true. like unfilmable, and so right. I thought we were going that way, and I thought you were then using the the T for Look, the lost skeleton. Yeah, that's fine. Let's 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 use that. See, I was, I can improvise when you throw <laughs> things like that out there. <laughs> Hello. Who? No, no, this is Morvan Kala. Morvan Kala? M O R V? Well, I do books myself because it's got a lot to offer me. Me. I mean, when you're writing, you can just knock off when you want, you know. Look out the window. Smoke a cigarette, make a cup of coffee, take a shower. It's much better than waking up on cold mornings and it's 39 years to go to a pension, yeah? in a few seconds this other film that was a novel that's unfilmable look when i say a few seconds i mean in this podcast parlance it's a good day or two this from now look time is a construct <laughs> yes let's go with morvern kala <laughs> all right after her beloved boyfriend's suicide a morning supermart worker and her best friend hit the road in scotland but find that grief is something that you can't run away from forever and that again right does not tell anything about what this film what's going on in this film this is one reason i like to just pull sort of like these quotes from like imdb or somewhere because i'm like this does not describe the film at all also (laughs) i'm like what i would take umbrage with the beloved boyfriend i know i don't think i know is an actual right term but this it's so it's such a i mean what a way to open this movie with her well, we see her caressing this body, and mm-hmm. then we start to see little inclinations that this body is not a live body. And then we see the Christmas tree, <laughs> like <laughs> blinking. And so he's almost under the tree, which, I mean, yeah, okay, right? Read into that whatever sure. you want. But I love this opening. It's oh. just, it's so dark and so delicious. And 
Yeah, no, everything about this movie is is I it, for this like and again if you look at Lynn Ramsey's first film Ratcatcher, Ratcatcher. which is a good film, mm-hmm. um, and some would argue a better film than this, uh, you know, it, but it's so much more succinct, and I haven't seen it in, in probably since it came out, but yeah. um, but it, I mean it's so much more pat, you know, it's just it's it it doesn't have any sort of ambiguity to it. Uh, this is this such, is all ambiguity, right? Right. This is a crazy second film. I know. So it is. And again, I know you coming. I know you're coming from, uh, a, you know, a different source. You know, you're coming from a source material that you have that um, is a stream of consciousness novel. Um, but still, like to be able to do, be able to have the confidence to be to, to put that to film and to not take her. And see, that's the thing that this film does that the Boy, Butcher Boy, did, you know, that doesn't do that the Butcher Boy did was doesn't have any voiceover. Mm-mm. And Mm-mm. I think it would have been so easy to lean into that. I think it would have been so easy to have <clears throat> that type of American psycho-esque kind of yeah. like voiceover yeah. that lets you know the inner monologue. The fact that we don't makes it so much better. Like, it, because again, you don't have any idea where Samantha Morton's character, you know very, very little about yep. where she's coming from, yep. right? You know that she's a supermarket cash, you know, uh, stalker, and that's it. Yeah. And you know that she yeah. likes raves, and right. that's <laughs> right. really all yeah. you know. And we know, I mean, we get a glimpse of what this life is like, right? It's work-a-day, right? It is the bluest of blue-collar kind of works, right? I mean, she goes to work at a supermarket, she goes to the pub, she goes to work, she goes to the, that's that's it, right? Right. Um, there's nothing else going on in this small. I mean, I, it's not Glasgow. It's too small to be Glasgow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a small, such a small town and such a um, um, an almost like destitute population, really. Um, okay, so she finds her <laughs> her dead boyfriend, and he leaves her a note and says, "Well, we kind of see bits and pieces of the note more as we go." But he's like, "Look, here's my novel." <laughs> this fucking conceit right he's (laughs) like i just wrote this novel here's a list of publishers that i think you know would be good for take it right sell it see what you can get he's like i also left money for the funeral in the bank account right yeah (laughs) sorry i did this it seemed like a good thing at the time it seemed like the thing to do all right it seemed like the right thing to do be brave but what she does one she takes all the money right and and (laughs) tells tells everyone he left her Right. This is a weird double feature with Butcher Boy, by the way. I know, like it's, there's, I know. A, there's strange parallels from, the, from the book to the not voiceover voiceover to right. the dead person, you know, staying, right, getting that, chopped up, right. Yeah. <laughs> but also like, the dead person staying in the apartment for you know for an overly and long and elongated time. time. Right. So she she tells people that he left. She eventually sort of chops him up and buries him in the mountain, takes his name off the novel, puts hers on it, and sends it off. <laughs> And then goes to her friend and say, hey, I just bought us a two-week getaway, right, to Spain or whatever it was, right? right? Or we're le- either we're leaving in two weeks. I don't know. It's in Scottish. I can't understand how right? <laughs> I know. Well, I was just going to say, like, there's not a whole lot of talking in this film. Right. And I'm kind of thankful for that. <laughs> yeah. Because there are, there are moments where I'm like, wow. At home, listener, uh, Make sure you get the subtitled versions of Butcher yeah. Boy and <laughs> yeah. So here we are denigrating the Irish and the Scottish today. Ah, you know, we're <laughs> like, still the same people. It's a train spotting <laughs> situation. <laughs> yeah, no, it 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 is. It it's, is. It's, it's heinous, really heavy. But, uh, 
um, especially uh, her friend's name is Lana, but Kate, Kate, not Kate Middleton, Kate McDermott. <laughs> Kate. <laughs> what a role we would have been for her. <laughs> right? <laughs> she just would have been walking around asking what like skin color people are. <laughs> Sorry if you haven't <laughs> looked the racist royals. Okay. So, <laughs> um, yeah, Kathleen McDermott. Um, she, I could, who was a not an actress as well. Right. This was like her first role. Wasn't yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. And they both were, they both received, I think several awards from different, you know, smaller festivals or whatever. Um, but yeah, so she sends off this novel and it gets, you know, the publisher's like, yeah, we love it. Right. Uh, we we want to publish it. She's like, cool. I'm going to Spain on holiday. So I don't know. I don't know. I can't go to London, right? <laughs> which is just, but again, I mean, talk about like bug nuts premises and this is, this is one of the most, um, but I absolutely love it. And love the question too, about the kind of artistic theft, maybe like, what right. does she, cause it, it starts to raise questions. What does she owe this guy? How does she feel about this guy? What is this? What was, what was this relationship? There's, and I'm going to, I'm jumping kind of ahead, but there's, there's a line at the end where she and Lana kind of split up in Spain. She comes back. And, and she gets this $100,000 advance for, for the novel. And they're like, oh, so what's your next novel? Knowing, like, we know she's never going, she's going to disappear, right? She's right. gone. She goes back to her friend, and she's trying to convince her to go somewhere with her. And her friend's like, what are you doing? It's the same crap everywhere. Stop dreaming. And at that moment, you get the feeling that people have been telling her that for a long, long time. Right. And that... You know, maybe her boyfriend was living out his dreams while keeping hers kind of at bay. And this is a sort of freedom now, right? right. Now that he's gone, she can go do whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you get the feeling that, you know, she liked him for his music collection and his musical tastes more <laughs> Which than Which is she, good. Right, sure. Yeah. It's, a, it's a valid reason to love someone. Yeah. Um, th there's also the line when she's talking to the publishers and she's like, you know, why did, why do you like being a novelist? She's like, because I can bug off work whenever I want. And I can go to, you know, I can do whatever the hell I want to do. I, I can work when I want to work and I don't. This idea of this kind of like uh, supposed classism that most likely existed in their relationship. And like the yeah. most likely that the, that the, that, you know, he's the one who has a bank account, right? He's the one who has the bank card. He's probably the one whose apartment it is. Yeah. Um, and so this life that she leads that is a kind of i'm going to take what's given to me and fuck you if you don't mm -hmm. like it mm -hmm. i mean like this is you know why wouldn't i what <clears throat> you you left and it's not like she's you know she justifies it or if she or if she ever thinks about justifying it you know it's he wrote in the suicide note that it was it's it's for it's you. for you it's for you the book is yeah. i wrote it for you yeah and so <clears throat> and he says interpret that how you will right and so if it's hers, then why wouldn't she do what she yeah. wants to do with it, yeah. right? And live the life that she wants to live. And for once. <clears throat> right. right. And to react to the, you know, to the suicide in the way that she wants to react to it. Uh, you know, she obviously seems the thing that she keeps coming back to. And, you know, she, she sits, there's a moment <laughs> as the dead body is decomposing in her apartment <laughs> where she's unwrapping her Christmas presents under the tree. Yeah. Yeah. And of course he gives her a Walkman and a mixtape mix and a mixtape. And so that's what she has strapped to her body as she's chopping him up in the bathtub, <laughs> <laughs> listening to that 
as she's as he's become too smelly at this point, yeah. and she has to dispose mm-hmm. of the body and go and bury him with this very small trowel at the top of the hill, <laughs> which has taken very a whole lot of time. And of course, there's you know there's moments where I think it doesn't you know that portion of it. I think it's kind of silly to pay too close attention to those types of details, but of course, you're not going to cut somebody <laughs> right with a kitchen knife, right. but whatever. Right. Yeah, doesn't really matter. Um, what did you think of the, the film stock and the color change when they get to Spain? Like it, there's a significant palette change. Like once they finally, when she kind of breaks out of that glass, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, what goes from, it goes from very dark <laughs> right, right, <laughs> to this sort of bright, sunny. I mean, you get the feeling that, that, take that, it, that she's never been out of the city, right? That, 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 that the idea of like this expressionism that she has and with which she can find with raves and the drugs yeah. and the music. And the reason that she likes this guy is because he's an artist and, mm-hmm. and, he, and he has mm-hmm. a good musical taste that, you know, now that she's finally afforded the ability to to kind of branch out, that this is a eye opening. Well, no, <laughs> right. right. Yes. I mean, it's it's literally shedding light on things. <laughs> right. I mean, I be, look, even I'm trying to think in Scotland, there's like the briefest of moments when they're in the daylight. They are not in the daylight very often. Right. Right. I mean. It's dark. It's dark when she finds him. It's dark when she goes to think about making a call to report about his body. It's dark when she goes to the pub. It's dark the next day. It's dark when they go out. There's only one moment when they're walking home after a party, right? Where it's where it's bright, where it's daylight, and it's still a dull daylight. When it's also right? like like what one of the things that she does with the camera is it's all very, especially when you're in, the, you know, when when you're there in Scotland, it's it's all. There's a lot of close-ups. It's yes. all very oppressive. Yes. It's yes. all very, you know, closed in, right? And, and yeah, like those, the sky is a ceiling pressing down on you, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, right. yeah. And then we get out to Spain, and it does. It opens up, right? But we still get this. There's still this interesting kind of aspect of they're never too far from their own, quote unquote, their own. What I and and. and they're around English guys, right? right. In bucket hats, because it is the nineties, <laughs> right? And they're probably listening to like Stone Roses and shit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Like in bad mouth Stone Roses. No, 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 no. I mean I like Stone Roses, but I'm just thinking of like, you know, the Manchester bands that all wear bucket hats, right? <laughs> so that's all. <laughs> that's all. Um but we still get like we get this scene where they're playing like this tourist game where a guy and a girl get into a big bag and they have to like exchange clothing. Right. Right. Which right. that first moment is really weird. <laughs> yeah. right? The couple that comes out of this bag, they don't look, uh, they just look haunted. Right. Yeah. That, and especially the girl, like yeah. it's just, it looks like this is like something that sounded like a lot of fun. And then like neither one of them really wanted to do it. Right. Especially and so as she's standing topless and like, yeah. And now being stared at by all these men. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so there's still this kind of attitude, right. Of, what am I doing? What are we doing? And yes, it's eye-opening. It sheds light on things. And there is a kind of hint about being less repressed, right? Or, or freer. Um, but it's always, I don't know, perilous, right? It always right. feels like just a step, like just like one step removed from that oppressiveness that was Scotland. Right. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is that she's always trying to tell people the truth. So as much as she's trying to escape or sort of like run away or sort of, you know, like into something new, she's like always telling people the truth and no one listens. Right. right? At one point she says to her friend, he's dead. And she's just like, whatever. 
right? <laughs> right. And then she says to the to the publishers, the representatives from the publishers, she's like, I work in a supermarket. And they're like, you're so funny. <laughs> she's like, take a picture, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it, so, I mean, there's that too, where there is, there's this moment of, of wanting to escape, but trying to figure out how to escape, maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, the the idea of, of her, like, fine, like, <clears throat> the act of a suicide and still being told what to do, yeah. that, that act of a suicide and, and that being the freeing moment of her, of like, you know, fuck you, you're not going to tell me what to do anymore. Right. Now I have some, like, there's a, like, and so, you know, who knows what this relationship was um, and whether or not it was beloved or whether, you know, but, you know, almost a... <laughs> In a weird like sense of, you know, you can a, a spin or a take on the opening scene is is you know her caressing the body of kind of thanking him for doing this for yeah, her. He's literally a present, right? And mm. and then of course you, I mean, you have the horror of the 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 act and and the dead body in your apartment, but and the, how to handle all of that. But then when you realize that no one's asking questions and no one really cares, and that you know that um, you know all of this what opens it up to her uh it's just I, I, and i mean look as good as eamon is in, in butcher boy and, and i know they're not the same age but samantha <clears throat> morton in this time in her career not, not that she's never great but i, well, I she wasn't great in the whale <laughs> true 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 i feel like <laughs> i feel like she's kind of like when i saw her in the sweet and lowdown mm. i thought well this is the next like huge star mm. she's amazing it, it, that, I love that movie, and I and I I love her in it, um, and the fact that, that she was nominated but didn't win. I don't even remember who won that year, but uh, but I I was just blown away, and I feel like she's kind of gotten pigeonholed into these like sad old white lady roles, yep. and it's weird. Yeah, it's it's. Now I have not followed everything that she's done, but like ever since she did Minority Report, now she's kind of in this like. Well, you, it's, whenever you need someone who speaks with an accent and, and, and can dress, you know, in, you know, depressing clothing, you know, and 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 look forlorn, Samantha Morton yeah. is your go to. Yeah. And I think that sucks because I think she's so, I mean, I think one, I think she's great, but I think she's so great in this. Um, and it's uh I always get her confused with Emily Watson too. Yes, but like, <laughs> yes, I know, I know, I do too, I do too. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, that th you know, <clears throat> her you, as you watch her nonverbal kind of realizations in this movie about how she no longer has to be beholden to this man, and she no longer really has to be beholden to her friend. Yeah. yeah. And, and and as she walks off and she grabs the only things that are meaningful to her and ends the movie as kind of an ambiguous, you know, um, you know what's going to happen to her next yeah. when you don't really, it doesn't really matter. It's just <clears throat> the world's literally her oyster. So, yeah, uh, yeah no, this, I mean, this feels like, a, you know, I, I mentioned American Psycho, but this feels like a better filmed version of every Brett Easton Ellis novel. Like this yeah. feels like, like a and as you know, an evolution of, of that type of storytelling. Um, this is a precursor to feels like to know to sure, um, sure. Uh, to Corno and and I'm not sure if I'm not saying her name to Tane and, and yeah, Raw. Yeah. Uh, and I think yeah. this would play uh, and now even like Sean Baker to a certain oh, extent. Oh sure, like this, mm -hmm. this this kind of mm -hmm. like 
Um, well, and it's also this sort of like cinema verite right, style as right. well. Yeah. 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 I think this would play really well as a double feature with uh, Glazers Under the Skin. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. That, that they're kind of her finding herself in the world and the kind of like non. I mean, there's more verbal, you know. Right. There's more verbal part, portions of this movie than there are in Under the Skin, of course. Yeah. But this. I thought of, you were going to say the other, the other um, Scarlett Johansson sort of coming of age film at that time, which was Lucy. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Another filmmaker who, like, Luke, has a weird... Luke Besson makes trash, but it's cool trash. Yeah, I guess so. The Fifth Element isn't cool? I No, I like the... Okay. Look, there are movies that I like of his a lot. Yeah, I, but... They're still trash. I, I mean... I had to sit through Valerian, and that was a rough sit. Okay, look, you don't have to sit through things like that. <laughs> <laughs> you can get up. I feel like this is your therapy session with me. <laughs> you don't have to. Look, you've paid Jason, your ticket. Jason, I understand. I understand. Yeah. You, you've already thrown that away. You're not getting it back no matter what. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Look, <laughs> Valerian sorry. had a promise, and it, then it had Dane DeHaan. And, and, yeah, look, uh, lots of movies have promises. <laughs> Very good point. But, mm. yes, uh, it would be a great um, companion piece oh, yeah. to, to Lucy. No, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just... <laughs> <laughs> Every time I think of Under the Skin, I think of Lucy because they were like right at the same time, right. and it's yeah. you know Scarjo's. What a weird, yeah. what a weird movie. Which one? I mean, both. both. But, like, <laughs> but like Lucy, just in general. Like anytime you have those type of like limitless type movies. Oh yeah. Uh, it, it's such a like it's to see where it, like doesn't she become like some sort of like collective consciousness at the end of that like where it's yes, like yeah. yes yeah yeah she, yeah <laughs> it's been a minute since i've seen it right no no, no right probably, right i right. can't remember oh, now exactly yeah. i mean there for a while it was on like right fx it was yeah. like, like a cable staple yeah. right but yeah no she is basically like uploaded into the matrix or something by like morgan freeman <laughs> right <laughs> Okay, look, let's let's wrap up this unwrapping with <laughs> I'm so sorry. With the lost no, skeleton. Don't, don't, of, don't apologize. Of cadaver. I was apologizing to myself. It also works well with this movie because it's it's very punny in, in all the best ways. Okay, look, I have to I didn't put a synopsis for this. <laughs> this meteor could mean to science it could mean actual advances in the field of science <laughs> aliens us is this one of your earth jokes God have mercy on us all.
don't know the lost skeleton of Cadavra, but you will. You will. Here's the thing. Here's I, but I do want to say this, right? And then you can give us an option or whatever. But this film is made by people who are good enough at being bad that you know they know what they're doing. Yeah. Right? I mean, this is like... It's really, I know it's supposed to be like a spoof of the B movies from like the 50s and kind of like an Ed Wood sort of spoof, right? I mean, but this is almost like a spoof of the spoofs. Yeah, I would it call is, this, I would call this kind of a antithesis to what the the Mystery Science Theater yeah, guys were doing. Yeah. And also like a, I would call this more of a love letter and an ode to these films. And it really is more of a, yes, it is a spoof, um, but I do think that this I, I I saw you know I've read about this and like the the, the people the, that's a fine line to pull when to 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 try to force you know being a cult film or right and I don't think that this is the, that's what this film is doing I I mean I do think that there's an airplane top secret level of to of to of this movie okay so I don't think there is you don't no 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 what I mean is I think it goes beyond that sure I mean I, I think it's I think it's gone into like like straight up like meta spoofness right okay. so what I mean I think is like like airplane was like this studio type spoof right? I mean it was like look we're gonna take these disaster films and we're gonna play it straight right right but we know it's funny but we're gonna tackle it like it is one of these things and we're going to go with it. And it's like, it's a real thing where I think these guys were like, no, no, no. We are going to show you the wires that pull the skeleton up. <laughs> we are going to make sure you see them. So you know what we're doing here. I think that's what I mean. Cause I kept wondering in my head, like what would this look like if they did it like airplane? Right. Sure. Like, sure. If they, if they said, okay, we know this is a spoof, but Right. We're going to play it like it's a like it's a straight movie. Like it is one of these things. Right. And I was like, what would that look like? But that's not what they're trying to do. I say I don't think that's what they're trying to do. I think they're going I think they're jumping that, right? And moving like <laughs> twelve steps beyond. <laughs> so because it's so knowing. It is right, so yeah. Right, okay. right, right. But it but I will say that the dialogue lends itself to like the dialogue this dialogue wouldn't exist. <laughs> In those 50s movies. No, but that's the point, like you right? You wouldn't get Amish Terrarium in those 50s movies. <laughs> no, but that's like the whole thing is like, but aren't they like calling attention to like the banality and yeah, stupidness of, of And so like they're really going with it, right? I mean, like, what does he say at one point? He's like, <laughs> he just keeps talking about how he's going to do science. He's right? a scientist. And he like, does science. I, I'm going, you know, I'm going to do some good science. And it's just... Have okay. you seen Have you seen BoJack Horseman? Yes. Uh, yeah. You know the the three kids, mm -hmm. right? And and they work at business. It's it's that. <laughs> right. I mean, it's literally right. that. What did you do today? I did business because business is my job. <laughs> and it's like this guy, like, hey, I'm I'm here to do science. I don't believe in anything. That's why I'm a scientist. <laughs> so I'll give you I'll give you the, the rundown of what the lost skeleton of Cadavra uh, means or is is about. Uh, so we have, I think his name is Paul Armstrong, Dr. Paul. I, I couldn't remember now. <laughs> I'm reading some of his quotes. The quotes are great. If, yeah, if you want it's Paul Armstrong. Yeah. Okay. So do, Dr. Paul Armstrong and his and his wife Betty are on. They're going on a on, on a mission to find uh, a meteor um, that that is landed in the woods because it is. He's hoping that it's made of this element called atmospherium, 
Now he's a scientist. He does science. <laughs> and if atmospherium, if the meteor is made of atmospherium, then it will help advance science. And that's <laughs> this, the reason he's going out there to find it. This is what I mean. This is what I mean. Like, like there is such a knowingness in these, like, <laughs> in this dialogue. And, and, and they, I mean, they say it straight, but there's also this kind of like, you guys know what we're doing here, right? At the same time, uh, there are two aliens who crash land on Earth, Crowbar and Lattice. <laughs> and uh, they need the atmospherium to... Now they're carrying a mutant on board their ship, as they kind of keep them as a pet. pet. Yeah. Um, and they are... They need the atmospherium to repair their ship so they can return home to their home planet. Now they have an atmospherium meter or a finder that <clears throat> will allow them to find it. They also have a uh, a gun that allows them to it's manipulate. <laughs> it's a caulk gun that allows them to manipulate the things around them. In addition to, we have a uh, uh, kind of an Indiana Jones type figure who is looking for this lost skeleton of Kadavra. Well, he's the evil. He's the Dr. yeah. He, yeah. He's the evil. Doctor yes. Roger Fleming. And so he's off looking for the lost skeleton of Kadavra. Now he stumbles upon the aliens, and as well as Doctor Palmer Armstrong and um, and and his wife Betty. But he's trying, so he's trying to get the atmospherium to reanimate the lost skeleton of Cadavera for some unknown reason. Um, There's also Ranger Brad. And Ranger Brad, who's seen things, uh, he's seen a thing, he's seen a bear do things that, well, even a bear wouldn't do. <laughs> There's Ranger Brad. There's also the guy who tells them how to get to the cabin, and it's like, go down to Death Forest. And like, <laughs> Since all of these, like, <laughs> ominous places <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what was one of the lines i forget what i forget the way what paul was talking about when he was talking to ranger brad and he's like oh 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 you heard the legend of the lost skeleton of cadaver and he's like i don't you know i don't believe in that i'm a scientist i don't I, believe in i anything. don't believe in anything <laughs> ranger brad i'm a scientist i don't believe in anything so uh what was the what was the what was the Indiana Jones guy's name? Ralph. Uh, I know. Um, um, Fleming, Doctor Fleming, Roger. Fred Fleming. Roger Fleming. So he. Um, <laughs> there must be way inside that cabin. Think, think, cabin, cabin, cabin. So Roger Fleming utilizes the gun, the caulk gun of the aliens, to help create an assistant for him um, out of four woodland creatures. Who comes to life as this sexy woman who he calls Animala, who can, <laughs> Animala, who can only speak in in animal terms. Eventually, when she wants to, anyway. Uh, so she's like, yeah, row, row, row. and he tries to. He has to teach her to be a human. So the the doctor and the doctor and his wife and the and the aliens and uh, Animala and Ralph all come together in the cabin, and they're all trying to kind of assess one another. <laughs> Um, <laughs> in order to get the atmospherium, and at this point, Ralph and I'm not Ralph, but uh, Paul, Bra Paul, and yeah, Roger, <laughs> but Paul and Betty already have the atmosphereum. They already have the meteor. Um, they have it on a dinner plate. <laughs> right. <laughs> that they hope that the cabin owners don't mind that they have it. And there. he's doing science. And he's doing science with it. Uh, he's also a meteor cardologist, not a meteor. No, what is it? It's something, something like that. He's a meteor cardologist, not a meteorologist. Because because that's people <laughs> actually <laughs> people get that. That's confused. a weatherman. <laughs> so this movie is is an, a love letter to the fifties uh, <clears throat> B movies that they don't make really. I mean, obviously they don't make them anymore. But like the things like Trog and it it came from uh, outer space and 
uh, Earth like versus the Flying Saucers, right? I mean, like, yeah, yeah. And, then, and and to the yeah to the farther extent, to, but like all of the all of the sets are and are are you know all of the special effects are are terrible. Um, the mutant is made up of carpet and a big mask, and, and you and, just see the guy's legs, <laughs> right? And the lost skeleton, the cadaver, is just a is just a is just a legit like um, toy skeleton that's being moved along with with uh, with visible fishing lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, I sleep now. I sleep now. <laughs> my my the one that made me laugh. So I saw this in the theaters, but like um, like the, my favorite was when uh, Rogers teaching Animala how to how to be a human, <laughs> and he's like. Teaching her how to drink out of a glass, and he's like, "Here, you just pick it up, and you." And so the aliens see Anamala acting, and they and they are like, "Okay, all we got to do is act like the humans, and they'll they won't suspect anything." And so Anamala takes the glass, and she's like, "Tip, tip, 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 tip," and they take the glass and tip, 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 tip. And when she goes to eat, she plants her face in the plate. It's like they're like. So they do the same thing. And Paul and uh, Betty are, are clueless. Um, and she's the typical housewife trope. Um, she says moons, teaspoons. That's all gibberish to me, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, they both all, they, they, at some point they all try to manipulate each other to get, to get the atmospherium. Uh, at one point they're both trying to use mind, uh, control to get, uh, atmosphere, to get atmospherium and, and they're telling Animala and Betty, or the, uh, uh, Roger's trying to get her to, is, who's, who's trying to use, Roger's using mind control for the cadaver, the skeleton. So, so the skeleton, so the aliens are trying to control Animala. And then the skeleton is trying to control Betty. Right. And right. And so do you have the line? Well, I have this one. The skeleton's like, I cannot wait so long. She, she will help me. The housewifely one. Hi, Betty. So at some point they're, they're talking about uh, atmosphere and I think Anamala, Anamala is the one who's like, who mispronounces it as an Amish terrarium. Amish terrarium. <laughs> oh, wait, you must find the atmospherium. Amish terrarium must find Amish terrarium. <laughs> I don't understand. Why does she need an Amish terrarium? Like, do we keep Amish people in glass cases? Like, don't the Amish live in open air like us? <laughs> of <laughs> course, of <laughs> course, Betty. It's absurd. Putting the Amish in glass cases would be inhumane. <laughs> so there's so many like there's so many lines like hey, look look your mileage is going to vary whether you buy into this movie or not like and you'll very quickly know whether it's a movie for you um and i will say to its detriment it does go on probably about 10 to 15 this could be tightened up yeah yeah like it this really should be as a quick 80 minutes rather than a, the 90 it's like 90 yeah. um but but it's but there there are moments that are so laugh out loud funny when animal starts to dance and then when the when the skeleton the cadaver finally comes to life and you can and he's just this skeleton that's like um just kind of moving along the screen <laughs> uh, it, it it's so so funny um and then when of course then they're trying to get the skeleton to like climb walls and move around on its own and they're ca- they're clearly carrying it between the two of them <laughs> <laughs> um and every, like I said, everyone plays it completely straight. And it, it, and so, and like not to, not Leslie Nielsen in airplane straight. They play it completely right, straight. Right. Now, of course, a lot of the dialogue that they're saying is completely nonsensical and they know it's nonsensical. I mean, like 
but like go and read the quotes page on IMDb and, and it doesn't really work. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but like just that whole Amish terrarium thing or, or like I've seen things, I've seen a bear do things. Well, yeah, even a bear, bear would do, do. <laughs> um, you know, and things, you know, just like I'm doing science and, and, um, well, I suppose if I'd wanted a safe life, I wouldn't have married a man who studies rocks. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Why put our, why put our lips together when we can touch other things? No, like no, no, that? no. It's like, why, wait, what did they say? Like, why hold hands when we can touch other things like lips? <laughs> oh, I found the farmer quote with the directions. Stay on this road here past dead man's curve. You'll come to an old fence called the devil's fence. From there, go on foot till you come to a valley known as the cathedral of lost soap. Smack in the center is what they call forgetful milkman's quadrangle. Stay right on the path of staring skulls, and you come to a place called Death Clearing. Cabin's right there. You can't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> let me see if I can. Let me see if I can find the one I was looking for. Um, just shit like even when I was a child, I was afraid of. I was I was hated by skeletons. Skeletons yeah. hate me. <laughs> <laughs> oh and so crowbar and lattice are the aliens and uh they you know and so they don't really understand human um uh human nature but there's one sequence where <laughs> lattice has uh has it's done something i can't remember what now and, and she's like crowbar crowbar and he's like, what is it, my woman? <laughs> you, you need not yell because of my proximity. Was, I yell not from the volume required by great distance, but by happy excitement. <laughs> so this is the point that I was trying to talk about before. When a skeleton is using mind control for Betty and crowbar is using mind control for Betty. So the skeleton says, bring the meteor, bring the meteor to the skeleton. And Crowbar is like, bring the atmospherium to Crowbar and Lattice. And Betty says, I must make a skeleton meteor <laughs> using a crowbar covered in lettuce. <laughs> I know this sounds like we're fucking high. Like this, none of this makes sense. But like, it's such a silly, fun like movie. And I, and it's, I, I, I do think it skirts that line of like, I don't think that this is trying to be you know, it's not trying to be so bad it's good type of movie. This is not trying to be whatever uh, you know the room is. Doing no, now. right. This is not. Right. This is not trying to be that. I know the room wasn't trying to be this, but like, but uh, you know, whatever the next thing that they're trying to do, I'm sure. trying to milk out of him. Um, that this is that this is not that. This no, is, this is a love letter to these movies, um, and it and like I said, the, they do it so straight faced. It's it's. That's what I mean. Like this is made by people who clearly know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it was thoroughly enjoyable and you watch it and you just go, okay, these people are good enough to sort of know <laughs> like exactly what they're doing here. So no, I don't think it's, that's like, Oh, let's make something so bad that it actually actually is good. I think they have real intentionality behind this. And like I said, that's why I kind of jumped to this meta level of this. Like, no, this is what it would look like. This is how, you know, yeah, let's kind of spoof the dialogue, but the sentiment of what they would say in the original is what they're saying right, here. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, how do you say his last name? Blamire? Blamire? Your guess is as good as mine. Um, the director. So this is something else about this guy is that he has some real accolades to his name. Yeah. He was 
I mean, especially as like a playwright and a stage actor in Boston, got a lot of good press. I mean, positive critical response from the the Globe, the Herald, and the Phoenix. Um, that's not nothing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and you know, played roles like R. P. McMurphy in Cuckoo's Nest yeah. and and Hotspur and and Henry the Fourth Part One, and again, like got praise for these things. So it's it's. I mean, that, again, like they know what they're doing. They're right. not. Th- these are not hacks per se, right? right. Yeah. And he's made some, so th- this is, there is a sequel to this. Um, yeah. And then they they tried to kickstart. I don't know what happened to the kickstart. I couldn't find it on, I didn't really look that hard online. So let's just be honest. <laughs> they were trying to kickstart a third one in the trilogy, but he's made other films that are kind of like yeah. this in the same vein. Well, well, and he, he had a play that was produced called The Bride of the Mutant's Tomb. <laughs> Right. Which is centered around an Edward like director trying to get this film made. Right. And so, I mean, I think, yeah, he kind of had this stuff in mind, like as you know, from from an early from early childhood, obviously. Right. Yeah. And I think if you stumbled <laughs> upon this and did, I mean, like, obviously, you know that this is this is done and enough to to know that it's laughable. But but um, but I mean, this isn't far off from from <laughs> these movies and these sets mm-hmm. and these and, I, I, you know. Well, and they filmed in what is it, Bronson Canyon, yeah. which is where a lot of those movies were right. were shot. Right. Yeah. You know, it's I, not to not to sound like a preachy movie knowledge guy, but I mean, like pre TV, the B bill of all of. I mean, like they don't make them anymore, right? They don't make movies that are intentionally right. meant to be right. on the bottom half of a bill of a double feature that. Yeah. Um, can be repackaged and renamed and, and like, you know, you know, the ones like some people know the ones, right? You know, uh, that, that kind of bubbled up at the top and, and became something more than what they intended to be. But like, there's a shit ton. You go out and they're all mostly, you know, in, in the public domain at this point, but there's a ton of these shitty. And then, uh, you know, things like the mystery science theater group brought a lot of them to light. I mean, like things like, uh, the Man of Santos of Fate was not, you know, was not a B movie. That was just a non, that was a Z movie, right? Right, but like, right. But Ega <clears throat> and like, you know, Zat and like all these like, <laughs> just whatever name you want to throw at. Like, <laughs> those are legit movies. Um, <clears throat> you know, these these monster movies that were, uh, you know, you know, like the Joe Dante's matinee kind of thing where they yeah. were just like, you know, they just sat on the bottom bill of a, of a, of a, of, you know, of a double feature that you'd go to because you didn't have anything else to watch on TV. And then eventually these movies started getting made for TV. So like they just studios stopped making them because um, they didn't need 300 films. I know a year, they only needed a hundred or less and out of a total of Hollywood. Right. I mean, there wasn't, but prior to that shit, they were, they were churning out films every single week, you know, and just, that was the content that they needed. Right. Cause they all had, all the studio houses own their own theaters for the yeah. most part. Yeah, right. And they needed to fill, they need to get butts in the seats. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And this would be a way to do it. <laughs> but yeah, this, I'd I go mean, see this. I, I, I saw it when it came out um, and really, really dug it. And like I said, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's, I, I again, your mileage may vary on how much you like this. And then, like I said, I think, you know, um, I can see very quickly not thinking this was funny at the beginning. Like, I don't know. Like, we're just kind of, we're intended. We're trying to. Sure. We're feeling like it's, it's trying to be intentionally bad, bad, bad. But I think if you give it through the entirety of the movie, I think you 
kind of get what they're going for. I think, especially I think after a few minutes, after like 10 minutes, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. I understand the rhythms. I get what's going on here. Right. Okay, now now I'm along for the ride. I mean, as I, soon as you get the farmer telling them where to go, I think that that's the what that's yeah. what, like. I mean, even when like me. they're looking at the map and <laughs> it's just, <laughs> all of that's great. So yeah, I, it, it's it's worth your time to watch this or to try and find this and, and, and at least give it a shot. Yeah. yeah, go ahead and check out some other clips on YouTube or whatever. You know, I think I think you'll be you'll be in. So yeah. yeah. Uh, do you want to do recommended? I didn't do any. Oh my god! Is it is the table? Have the tables turned? Um, I could probably f- <laughs> figure some out. I think I've already mentioned all mine anyway. I was gonna. Well, uh, so here we'll just do it this way. <laughs> so I th- I was thinking like an an interesting <laughs> recommended if you like for Morven Collar would be After Sun. Um, mm-hmm. so that would yeah, be no, one. A- yeah. I just had the sweet and low down this mainly because of, of yeah, Samantha of, Morgan. Of her. I mean, like if you haven't seen that performance of hers, it's just, yeah. Should. Yeah. yeah. Um, what were some other ones? You had? I, I think, you know, the only ones that I had, we only do three. So I, you know, any, in the last gallon to cadaver, throw a, throw a dart, right? I mean, you can pick any <laughs> yeah, of them, yeah so, any of those. I mean, like, I think, <clears throat> and I know Mr. Science Theater 2000, the movie did parody this one, but like not parody, but, but made fun of, but this Island earth is to me, like mm-hmm. the one that like, I kind of always go back to is like the silly, science you know the silly sets and like all of the we're doing science stuff and and then the whole uh kind of <laughs> you know metaluna and and uh you know the interocitor the, all these like made up science terms that they're that they do I, I think that one kind of plays closest to like what the last skeleton is doing um and then my last one for the butcher boy would be heavenly creatures i think a good okay. pairing okay. would be peter jackson's heavenly creatures yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah, that's 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 great. We'll leave we'll leave it there. They can uh... <laughs> <laughs> right, and then yeah, you go out and find out your own. Limits, whatever. Yeah, you know what? Just use Google. No. <laughs> 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 anyway, Merry fucking Christmas. You guys, have, you guys have computers. Yeah, Merry fucking Christmas. Merry um, fucking Christmas. So so next time we'll get back to Hal Hartley. Yeah, and and I think we can announce that everyone should stay tuned for our first annual award show. We can see who takes home a coveted Screamy Award. Yay. <laughs> the first annual Screamies. <laughs> this ain't your mama's award show. <laughs> That's right. That's, well, depending on who your mother right, is. Right, right. It mean, could be your mom. Know, yeah. I mean, no offense. Look, I, don't wanna, I don't want to talk about moms. Um, <laughs> uh, also, we'll probably be talking Monster. Um, yes. Soon. So. Yes. Yes. Uh, we will talk about Monster, and we will talk about the next two. What did we say with Hal Hartley? Simple Men and um, Surviving Desire. Yes, and and so those two along with Monster, that's a yeah. There you go. That's a good episode. There's a good, and then we'll look, figure out look, where man. to throw in the screamies. They're all good episodes. <laughs> yeah, right, right, absolutely. I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't even want to fucking say it. Like, I mean, of course, of course, it's a good episode. I'm just saying it to myself. Like, man, do I want to get jazzed or pumped up about this? I'm pumped up all the time, but like, uh, you know, look, look, I mean, more Hal Hartley, right? More I, interesting use of Yola Tango songs. <clears throat> More appearances of Holly Marie Combs, you know, more weird Martin Donovan dance scenes, right? In both of these films, so <laughs> right. One of the things that, like, what's uh, not to look forward to, right? One of the things that, like, my wife loves international travel. That's the reason we end up doing it as much as we do. 
Um, and, but one of the things I love about international travel is the, the ability to just fucking kill four movies in a row. (laughs) 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 And I always watch shit. Like, it's not like I, I watch anything that's like, I, 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 on this, like I watched, um, yeah, nothing good. Like, I mean, really like, uh, a haunting in Venice and, and, you know, just terrible. It's, it's, that's, that's not good. Yeah, no, I I couldn't tell you anything about it. It's it's awful. I mean, look, the source material's trash. The movie's trash. <laughs> I watched the last voyage of the Demeter. Um, also, also terrible. Yeah, not good either. No, no. Um, man, what else did I watch? I watched this uh, Japanese film called "I Am What I Am," and maybe, maybe, um, but it was a really kind of banal take mm-hmm. on um, asexualism. Oh, um, and it was just weird. It was weird to watch. You're like, saying it's just kind of like in between. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched, I tried to watch strays and I couldn't, uh, Oh gosh, that's surprising that I tried to watch it or I couldn't, you couldn't make it. Oh no, the flight ended and I could, no, I was, Oh, okay. Flight like ended and I didn't, you're like, Oh, it was so good. I should have, no, (laughs) I I use, I, this, I use a lot of times I use those flights to kind of like fill in gaps of things that I haven't seen. I never, watch any unless i unless i need to fall asleep or i know that the flight is ending so i watched i turned on bodies 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 um as of as the first flight into vienna was was going um was landing but uh but yeah no the that the idea of like sitting in a chair and like having a good eight to ten hours just to like dive into a prescribed set of movies so it's awesome it's just so good I don't know. You must fly first class because I cannot sit in those fucking chairs. No, no, no. I don't fly first class. That was That's a joke. Just, but uh, that was a joke. Okay. I don't. I get okay. up in between movies. It also makes a nice break <laughs> no, for me. Why I get up in the, in, in between yeah, them and like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, three so, movies is over. It's so tough. Um, yeah, flying internet. Oh man, flying for three hours and I'm like in pain for. I spent a lot of time, you know, in a previous job flying to. Uh, the Middle East. And so like I would, I just got used to it. And, uh, and then I could just kind of steady myself for a, a good like 16 hour flight. Um, and I, I would do it like to me, like staying on the plane and getting the flight rather than like, you know, flying and, and having a layover and then having to yeah. do all this shit. Cause like the, wherever you land, it always can really suck. But like, like if you land in Frankfurt, that's the worst fucking airport in the world. And, mm. um, and then of course you've got Heathrow and that one sucks too. So it just, I'd rather, I'd rather just yeah. stay stick no, on I, it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, oh, anyway, it's good stuff. That's good content right there. You can keep all that. In. <clears throat> oh, I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's what you have to look forward to next time that more, more tales of traveling. Um, uh, but look until then, Merry Christmas and thanks for listening. And, uh, I was going to say, we wish you a screaming Christmas, but, uh, I'll just say keep screaming. <laughs> the promise of excitement is one the night will keep. After all, there's only one more sleep till Christmas. <laughs> the world has got
got a smile today, the world has got a glow. There's no such thing as strangers when a stranger says hello. And everyone is family, we're having so much fun. After all, there's only one more sleep till Christmas. You have been listening to Why Does the Wilhelm Scream with your hosts, Brock and Jason. If you like today's episode, do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe in whatever application you use to consume podcasts these days. You can reach us by visiting whydoesthewilhelmscream.com. If you are in the DFW area, we would love to see you at a Fort Worth Film Club event. You can learn more about those and find a full schedule at fortworthfilmclub.com. And you can learn about my foundation and how we are trying to foster the next generation of film lovers at realhousefoundation.org. That's R-E-E-L housefoundation.org. Till next time. Bye.